Hey, boys and girls. It's your favorite fat man at the front desk, Jason Modcast founder David K. Montoya, and I interrupt this fantastic, stupendous podcast with these important messages. Starting February 2nd, the Jason Modcast network is going to be black. It's going to be black for the following 27 days. That's right. For the entire month of February, we're going black. Uh, and But we will be back March 1st. Uh, we've got some things that we need to get caught up on, you know, with the holidays behind us now. It's just time to get caught up. And, you know, plus I'm working on this little cartoon thing. It just kind of put a little bit of my attention. Not, not a real big deal. But for an added bonus, though, two shows will continue to go on, even though the rest of the, of the other podcast shows are going to be going black. On Tuesdays, the boys from the Great White North, the movie Madhouse, will continuing to run their regular show and then as an added bonus Fridays you'll get to hear my fat ass talk for a little while as we go and we enjoy the flashback Fridays and then like I said February 2nd to February 28th no added shows that means no scene red no uh, tree frog expose cafe or who's the boss what we think uh, don't get us started. So those shows will be returning. Then on March 1st, which is a Saturday, we start things right back up with what we think. And then from then until next year, we'll be running straight and smooth. So I just wanted to give you folks a heads up. And just to let you know, because we got some time before February 2nd, but I don't want you going to your favorite iTunes or your Stitcher trying to find a new podcast and like what happened so there you go all right that's it from this end this is your favorite fat man at the front desk david k montoya and now enjoy this fantastic jason modcast show and now enjoy this free jason modcast show Welcome to Flashback Fridays. I am your host, David K. Montoya. If you're brand new to this show, let me explain what we're going to do here in the next few hours. Uh, over the past year or so, the Jason Modcast Network has combined uh, probably close to about 300 independent podcasts now. So each and every Friday we get together, I pull three podcasts. I have a nice little bowl here with all the podcast numbers in it. I give it a good shuffle, and I pick one. And we sit and we enjoy each podcast from the days of yore. Well, not really days of yore. I think it goes all the way back to 2012. But these podcasts are definitely something you want to listen to and enjoy. If not, that's, well, why are you here? Because this is what we do on Flashback Fridays. Okay, so let's go ahead and just jump right into the game. Uh, let's see. I think the Wayback Machine's all nice and warmed up. It's not like a Ford or a Chevy. It doesn't take a while to get warmed up. 
we just jump in and turn that bad boy on and we get going. All right, if you hear this in the back, and again, if you're any new listeners, and the reason I keep bringing up new listeners is because I've noticed there was an influx of listeners last week, so I want to think of everybody that has come in. But anyway, the noise you hear in the background is me shuffling up um, all these little pieces of paper with podcast numbers. Well, they're podcast shows with their episode numbers, and I give them a really good shuffling and then I pull one. And that's how we do it here on Flashback Fridays. All right. As you can hear, no more shuffling. I have an episode in my hand. And we are going to take a look at Scene Red, Episode 50. All right. Episode 50 is entitled Indie Spirit, released November 23rd, 2013. And it says, Day 1 of Weekend Special Edition of Episode 50 of Seeing Red, Rebecca and Aaron tell us about the recent movie she'd seen and after which Dave gets on a rant about the concept of what it is and his thought to be an indie creator. Tomorrow is day two of the weekend special, which you guys won't get that. And then Monday is Jason Modcast Seeing Red Anniversary Special, which you guys won't get that as well. But what I give you today is Scene Red, Episode 50, Indie Spirit. Hey, boys and girls, welcome to Scene Red. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. Welcome to this Saturday edition of Episode 50. Ooh, 50. Come on. Come on. Ooh. There you go. <laughs> Whip out the glockenspiels. We're getting ready for the hoedown. <laughs> um... Let's see what's going on this week, guys. Um, well, before I ask you, let's let's just jump into this. A little bit of uh, X Men news, which is something that's becoming a regular kind of segment on our show. I guess we talk a little bit about the X Men, mm-hmm. or not so much. A little bit, we might spill the whole entire segment about the X Men. But I've actually got something to talk about, so we'll keep it down to this. Did you know, back in the 1980s, writers Chris Claremont wanted to have Mystique, the father of Nightcrawler. It's crazy. Yes. Um, in fact, because of, let's see if I can say this correctly, because Mystique, when, when she shapeshifts she become, and becomes a man, she has full functioning man parts, right? Yeah. So technically she could be a father. Well, he also hinted at throughout the 80s that Mystique and this older, uh, she's a blind mutant named Destiny, uh, she could see into the future, was like a lesbian couple. So his original concept was to have Mystique impregnate Destiny to have Nightcrawler. But back in the 80s, Marvel was so homophobic they're like, no, happen, yeah. no, 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 now, nowadays, fuck, they'd be like, eh, okay. Yeah, you know? they wouldn't care. Probably wouldn't have the same effect as storyline, too. Yeah. So, that's just, that's it. That's all I'm covering as far as, well, you know, that's not, not true. Azazel, um, and anybody who don't know him, he's actually the red guy that kind of looks like Nightcrawler in X-Men First Class is Nightcrawler's father. And I don't know. Eh, whatever. Okay, so moving right along, uh, you said... We've seen a few movies. Uh-huh. We've seen uh, the remake of Carrie. 
How was that? It was pretty good. I thought it stayed pretty true to the original story, which I, you know how like they come out with movies nowadays and they change everything. Right. But the only difference really, like spoilers here, is that instead of it being her like being weird, it was mainly about her mother. She was weird because of her mother. So like, she wasn't necessarily like a fanatic. She was just nuts. Right, right. Yeah, um, because, well, and we talked about this a few episodes ago. Actually, it's been more a few episodes. We were talking about how Sissy Spacek, she, she was just scared, you know, walking down the street by herself. You're like, ah! you know, yeah. but with now who's playing Chloe her? Moritz. Moritz. Yeah. Um, you know, she doesn't have that, that same appeal. Yeah. That Sissy Spacek brings to the table. And, but that, that, that made it more believable. They more, they more played on the fact that she was a girl that just wanted to fit in. She was a pretty girl, but she wanted to fit in, but she was misunderstood because the way she was raised, basically. Her mother was a nut, so she didn't know about anything. So the mom was still a religious zealot, kind of like... She was a religious zealot, but she was crazy. Like, she was just nuts. Like, that shit crazy. Probably, like, schizophrenic, bipolar, everything under the sun, didn't take no medicines. She was just crazy. Um and did they have the whole pig blood and all that at the end too? Yes, mm-hmm. really. They had the whole pig blood thing. Everything was based. The story was basically the same. What about at the end when the hand came out of the grave? Yeah, that was there too. See that shit haunted me for years, man. I was a little kid when I watched it, and that shit was just creepy as hell. So, out of like a five star rating, what do you give it? I'd say like a three and a half. Okay, so a little bit better than good. It it was pretty good, but I mean, it wasn't fantastic. It was okay. okay. I don't think it was scary enough. It, maybe it's just because, like you know, back then those movies were so scary. Right. Nothing can really live up to it anymore, you know. Right. But it was a good movie just for the sake of the story. You see any other movies? We've seen um the Purge. How was that? I've been wanting to see that movie. I was a little disappointed, like really? when I heard about the whole we when I heard about the idea of the movie, I was like, "That's a pretty cool idea to go off of," you know. Yes, and it's it could even like kind of fall in like realistic, like something that could happen, you know. <laughs> yeah, and um, ju- it was just the way they did it. it There's some stupid, really. It was just some of it was so stupid to me. It killed me. Like, um, I'm gonna give some spoilers here because I want you to know okay about spoilers. Um, basically, it's about this family. The dad, he, he uh, sells. Yeah. Secure, let me tell this. Yeah. He sells security systems for a living. So uh-huh. he's become really rich because he was lucky enough to land a job. Because everybody has to have security systems for the night of the purge. Right. The rich people. Well, before the purge happened, the world was like in disarray. Crime rates were up to like the maximum. Unemployment was up to the maximum. Everybody was poor. And, you know, even his family was poor. Well, when the new founding fathers got together to rebirth the United States, it came with the idea of one day of year to put all the cops, ambulances, paramedics away, and anything is legal for that night. And what is the purpose of this? To keep aggression down, which it does work because their crime rate is at 1% in the whole United States. Oh, wow. Yeah. So people can get their aggressions out during that night, and then there's no hard feelings. But basically, if you piss someone off during the year and it's your boss, they're going to come find you and they're going to kill you. (laughs) Unless you are held up somewhere where they can't find you. Right. But... So they set the security system. They they do lockdown because he basically it's like bars all around your windows, your doors. No one can get into your house. Like they live in a really rich neighborhood, and most people there don't even partake in the purge, but they support it by putting flowers out in front of their yard to show that they support it. Uh huh. <laughs> well, the they have two kids, and they lock down the house. The daughter goes up to her room, and the mom 
and the dad and the son are sitting in the room watching the news or whatever. The daughter goes upstairs, sees that her boyfriend snuck back in, and he's like, oh, I'm going to go talk to your dad. I'm going to make him let us see each other, because I guess he was a lot older than her. She was like 16, he was like 20 or something. Uh. The dad was like, no. Well, he comes out, and the dad goes with the mom somewhere, and the son's sitting in there, and he's watching the monitors, and he sees that there's a guy running down the street on the monitors outside, and he's like, help me, help me, please someone help me, they're going to kill me, let me in. And the son's just like, whatever, you know. And he's like, please, I don't want to die. I don't deserve to die. So he lets him in. He unlocks the house, lets him in. And the dad's like, what the hell are you doing? So this guy gets in their house. The guy runs off. They can't find him in their house. During this, the boyfriend comes out and tries to kill the dad. The dad kills the boyfriend. And then all hell breaks loose. Guys, and this is the night of the purge. Yes. So he he's fine. He doesn't have, there's no ramifications. Like well, the, this guy, the boys try to shoot at him first. Okay. So it would be, it, 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 there's no ramifications anyways, but if there was, it would be self-defense because the boy tried to kill him. He didn't okay. know that. And the daughter didn't know he was going to do that either. So then they're like freaking out because there's some wild man in their house loose. They don't know what he's going to do. And then all of a sudden these people come walking up to their house and they're like, there's probably like 15 or 20 people dressed in masks. And he's like, I, I know the guys in your house. Your neighbors told us that he's in there. They all, they all pointed to your house. He goes, you need to throw him outside. He's just a homeless pig. Nobody cares about him. And let us do our purge or we're going to come in there and kill you and your whole family if you don't bring him outside. And these people were like rich people like from their neighborhood. But they were just nuts. Oh, they, really? The people? Yeah, the ones that are outside trying to get in because they kill homeless people because they're just – homeless and sick people are just a, a pain in society side basically is what they all think, the rich people. Right. So the dad's like trying to find this guy. He's like, I want him to get out of my house. I want to sit, protect my family. Um, the little boy shows the guy some, he was like some black guy where to hide. And plus he was bleeding everywhere. So I don't know how it would have been that hard to find him. There'd been puddles of blood because he was stabbed. Okay. And the son lets him hide in some secret space. The girl, his sister goes to get in there. The black guy grabs her, puts a gun to her head. He's like, if you don't let me out of here, I'm going to, if we don't, if you don't let me stay in here, I'm going to kill her. And then there was like a fight ensued and she got her head hit. She got passed out or something. And the dad got him and taped him to a chair with the mom's help. And they started like torturing him so he'd hold still. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, this is all the son's fault, first of all. The son would never let this guy in here. Like the son is so stupid, right? And then the dad's going through all this trouble to like send his, send this guy back outside. And then he decides he's going to let him stay in the house the last minute. So what happens? After they cut him open. Finally. Yeah. No, he was already cut open. They were sticking like, like a knife in his wound or anything to make him held still. And his wife's like, I can't do this anymore. She goes, what have we, like, what have we become? She's like, I can't do stuff like this to people. Well, those crazy people outside, the reason they want him so bad is because he ended up killing one of their people. Uh-huh. So they come with trucks and they pull all the freaking metal thousand or million dollar security system. They pulled the doors off with, with his truck. Like that to me was so unbelievable. Cause they're like, yeah, if you don't let him out, we're going to be here with our, uh, our tools in an hour. They bring a truck. That was our tools. I'm like, really? <laughs> like that is it, the, the funniest part to me is we seen this part because they were showing on the monitors or whatever. They look at the monitor. There's this guy walking around with a huge ass bazooka on his yeah, shoulder. Yeah, on his shoulder. I'm like, really? Why don't he just freaking hit the house with that? Everybody will be dead. It was yeah. a rocket launcher. And so they pull the doors down. They come in. And then the dad's got a gun. The mom's got a gun. And. The black guy's hiding. The kids are hiding. No, well, the black guy ran off again. No, oh, no, he was in the chair. I lied. The black guy was in the chair. They left him. They come in and start trying to kill everybody. The dad shoots a whole bunch of them. The mom shoots a few of them. And then that crazy guy, the one who, this guy looks like he could be Joker. Like he could 
if they ever made like a Batman movie game with Joker in it, this guy could be him. Really? It's just the way that he played his character and the way like he, it, it was so funny because he literally, you could tell if he had the makeup on, he would be Joker. Joker. Really? Yeah. Yes. He got the facial shape, the long, thin face, the pointy chin, the smile and everything, crazy eyes. Yeah. But anyways, so that guy gets the dad and finally he stabs him with a huge hunting knife. I mean, this thing he is He stabs huge. the dad. Yeah. This thing is like a, it almost like a machete. Yeah. Um, all the way you mean like, this isn't a knife, this, <laughs> this is a knife. This is a knife. Yeah, so there was no coming back from that. Shot him. The daughter comes out, shoots this guy in the head like three times. And then meanwhile, the mom's in the in the hallway and these people are going to kill her. Well, her friend, all of a sudden her neighbors come in their house from around the neighborhood and start killing all these crazy people. And the mom goes to her kids and she sees the dad there and he's dying in her lap and she's like all sad and the kids are crying and she's like, thank you guys so much. Thank you for saving me. They're like, oh, we didn't, she goes, don't think us. we didn't save you. You're ours to kill. Oh shit. Yeah. Like we hate you for all the money you made off of us and you're just throwing it in our face. We're going to kill you for this and their kids. And I'm, first, I'm like, first of all, why would they kill, have to kill their kids? That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. You're, you're going to get your ang- anger out. Why would you do it on the little children? Another, to me, I was like a hole in the movie. Because these people all of a sudden were just heartless. And then, so they're getting ready to execute all three of them. And then the black guy pops out of nowhere. This is the only good part of the movie that I liked of the whole movie. Okay. The black guy pops out, shoots someone in the head. And then when they shot this guy in the head, the, one of the people that was going to kill her and her kids were like all disturbed about it. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you just shot that person. I'm like, you're going to kill and murder After and torture. After the entire thing. And they were going to torture a little kid. You're going to torture a little kid, but this person, your friend dying, you just can't take that. No. So he uh, he told her he's like it's your move you want to kill him she goes there's gonna be no more deaths tonight so they all go sit at the table all those her her ex friends and then the black guy and her and they have guns and they're waiting till seven o'clock so at seven o'clock that's the purge is over the ambulances will come out and there's no more killing and if you kill you go to jail for it right and her kids are in there with the dad crying and all of a sudden this, the blonde lady she was like the orchestrator of the plan to kill her. <clears throat> Tries, this is another good part of me I like too. Tries to get this the, is the only part of this movie I like. It was good, yeah. Tries to get the gun from her and shoot her. She said, I, she lost it. There's no, there's not going to be no more fucking killing tonight. And she gets up and she hits her in the face with the, the butt of the gun and then throws her face down into the glass, uh, table and busts her nose open. And then she's sitting there bleeding. She's like, Oh my God, like my nose is broken. And then the sirens go off and she's, <laughs> and she's walking out all distraught. She'll get, the, she'll get the fuck out of my house. And then they leave. And that was the way it ended. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And the kid, I'm just like, that would kill me. It's like the little, it was the son's fault the whole time. Everything that happened was his fault. He never would. And I'm not saying it would be right to kill somebody, but if your parents are for the purge and you interfere in it, you're going to obviously going to bring some danger to your family. Well, yeah. It was just stupid because the black guy was even willing to go outside. He's like, you know what? After this, I'll, I'll just go out and you can save your family. And the dad's like, no, no, just stay. I'm like, oh, after everything, you torturing this man. Now he can stay. Was it like some sloppy? Five minute writing kind of thing. Do you think? I I think it had a really good plot. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, maybe they should have like it, did it, a couple more drafts of the yeah. script. Yeah, it kind of fa- falls in line with the the, the whole Stephanie Meyer thing. Oh. It's like a good idea, but just not written well. Right, right, right. Because it had a really good story. Like you could have done so much with that idea of that story. Mm-hmm. But to me, just the way it was written, it was it would it didn't make a lot of sense. Hmm. And I probably wouldn't watch it again. Like, I don't hate it, but I didn't love it. It only had a few couple good parts of the movie. Really? I'm glad you brought that up. That's I'm going to actually pull that back in our later conversation. I'm going to pull that back up. Okay, and then the last movie we've seen was... Oh, another movie? Yeah, we've seen one more. Okay. And 
I had to watch it. It's because I seen the commercial. I know it's gonna it's gonna seem corny, but I had to watch it. They have a new Chucky, the Curse of Chucky. The Curse of Chucky. Uh huh. And I had to watch it movie, and it was actually wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, it was surprisingly good. <laughs> considering how bad all the other Chuckies have been, like right. the new ones, this one was actually one of the better. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um. Enlighten me. For one, the freaking doll in that movie was creepy as hell. The the way they did it. Uh huh. It didn't like, look like Chucky, or did? Oh, it did at first. Like they had a re- they had like a regular like buddy, my pal. What is buddy or my pal? My, bu- my buddy. My buddy something. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And that was a regular doll in all the movies. Well, when he started moving and shit, that uh-huh. thing looked creepy. Did it not? Kind of like, kind of like it was cross-eyed, but it was scary as hell looking. It was really? so animated. I can tell that like they they had to have used um like a smaller person for some of the animations because like from the top view, uh-huh. like it was, it was so kid. fluid. Yeah. yeah, you could tell it was a little kid. But they always done that though in the Chucky movies. I know, like those yeah. certain ones. But I'm telling you, like when they would talk and stuff and move, that crap that was shit. scary. Yeah. They, the way they did the animatronics on it was so good. What about the story? The storyline actually wasn't too bad. Believe it or not, it made somewhat of a little bit of sense. So, there, it starts out randomly. There's some more spoilers for you. Okay, I know you're probably never, never going to watch this movie. So I'll probably. Just tell you Go anyways. ahead. <clears throat> um, it starts out with this random family. You don't really know who it is. It's just like this mom and her daughter and her daughter's in a wheelchair and her mom's kind of a bitch to the daughter. Mm-hmm. And then they get a package and, the mom opens it for her, and it's a Chucky doll, and she's like, what is this thing? It's hideous. Like, oh, my God. So the mom takes it and throws it in the trash, and then they go to bed, and the daughter hears the mom scream in the night, and she comes down and sees her mom off the staircase on the ground with a pair of scissors stabbed in her chest, and they think it's a suicide. They assume it's a suicide. Okay. So her sister comes down with her um, her husband, her daughter, her nanny, and they bring a priest <clears throat> because they know that, that that her mom and her were religious and they wanted to have someone to do the ceremony or whatever the last rites yeah gotcha and the sister's trying to tell her you know you need to you need to let the house go sell it or whatever and she doesn't want to let it go and then she she was going to give the little chucky doll to her niece but they couldn't find it right so her niece is in the bathroom the part her niece has to go to the bathroom and then the the dad and the nanny take her in they're like just go to the bathroom it's okay don't lock the door and she's going to the bathroom she gets up and she sees the the curtain's moving, and she opens it, and Chucky reaches out and grabs her, and she screams. And they're like, oh, my God, open the door, open the door. She goes, look what I found. He scared me to death. So, like, it doesn't really show Chucky talking to her or interacting with her, but through that, through most of that movie, it's she's like, oh, Chucky told me this. Chucky told me that. Like, oh, Chucky said that. So he's not talking. Oh, he is, but we don't really see it. That's Chucky, what I mean. He's not. Because uh, there's a part where the mom's like, she says, Mom, is there no God? And she's like, who told you that? Chucky said there's no God. He said life's a bitch and we all just die in the end anyways. She's like, who's telling you this? Your father telling you that? <laughs> know, we all, we we started all laughing. laughing. But, uh, so, there's a part where, well, she makes dinner for everybody, the, the girl who's handicapped. Her sister's like, oh, I'll make dinner. She goes, no, I want to do it. Like, basically, let me have my freedom. I'm not, I'm handicapped, but I'm not. Disa- like, I can't, it's not that I can't take care of myself. Right. So she makes dinner and they go out and Chucky starts putting rat poisoning in the food, but he only has a chance to put it in one. They go back in, and they get the food. They take it out, and you, you don't really know who they get, who has the rat poisoning. It because the little girl's like, "This tastes weird," and like they're all acting kind of strange. Right. And then you realize that the priest got it. Oh shit! And he knows something's <laughs> wrong, so he gets up and leaves because he'd even recognize that Chucky doll. He did, or did he? Not? He did. He goes. He goes. That doll looks familiar to me. Like I, I, I think I think I've seen it from somewhere. Like I don't know, but I, it looks familiar. So then he got up and left, and then it shows you where all of a sudden there's like an accident, and he's 
in a car and he's bleeding and the, the cops like take him out he's my sponsor and they're like is he on drugs he goes no he's clean he hasn't been drinking so they think the priest has been drinking or doing drugs right and they take the they pull the car off him and his head falls off the only thing that was keeping him alive was a car holding his head because he was in a convertible oh so he dies and they're trying to figure out like who like, did it so then it goes back to the house and Basically, Chucky then proceeds to kill everyone, <clears throat> like one by one. Okay. Kills the nanny, electrocutes her to death. The nanny and the mom were actually lesbians together. They were having like a video chat across the room. Yeah. Okay. And then he goes and kills the mom, stabs her eyeball out. Then he proceeds, well, he doesn't kill the dad yet because the dad thinks that the, the aunt did it. So he, he like ties the aunt up and he's like, what did you do to my daughter? She's like, I didn't do anything. Like, listen to me. <laughs> then he gets killed, and then finally Chucky tries to kill the aunt, so he throws her off the... Well, first he stabs her in the leg with the hatchet, and she can't feel anything. And then he she chops his head off, and then I'm like, I'm like, seriously? She's like, oh, he's dead. I'm like, Chucky doesn't die that easily. We all know this. Right. Like, so she turns around, he gets back, he puts his head back on. We already knew that was going to happen, because it's happened before in previous movies. Right, right. He tries to kill her, and finally, I guess the cops come, but when he's trying to kill her, she's like, why are you doing this? Like... What is, what's happening? Right. Well, earlier that day when her sister first came, they were watching a movie of when she was, her mom was pregnant with her. Uh huh. And it, cause her dad died like a week after that video was taken. And ever since then, her mom was like never the same. And there was like some random guy in the video and she's like, who is that? And she was like, I don't know. I think it was just one of our creepy neighbors we had. So he's like, yeah, he goes, he, she basically figured out that he was Chucky. That was Chucky. That guy in the video was Chucky. And then he tells her the story of what happened. Uh-huh. Basically, he fell in love with her mother and killed the father and tried to take her, like, to make a family with her and the kids. Uh-huh. While she was pregnant. While she was pregnant. And he had her, like, tied up, like, in a warehouse somewhere. And I guess when he left, she called the cops on him. Because he's like, oh, I'm going to go pick up your daughter now. She goes, no, no, don't. Because he was, like, a child killer and, like, pedophile, if you remember correctly. I don't and He was alive. And like a Satanist and all that crap. Yeah, I remember that. Well, he, she, when she found out she called the cops, he stabbed her in the stomach. That's how the girl became paralyzed. Ah, okay. But he, he said that he would never, that, that, that they had to die basically because of what his mother did to them, did to him. Okay. You know how he was crazy. I mean, right, it doesn't make right, that right, much right. sense, but it does. He's like, you're the only people that ever got away from me that I never got to finish a job on and this and that. And then he's like, she's like, oh, but you didn't kill Andy. Who's oh Andy? Andy, the the first kid, the very first one from the first child's play. And they knew about this. No, he told her about it. Okay, because he's like, yeah, Andy was my first, but he got away. Or no, he was talking about Andy was doing something or whatever. He was like bragging about how Andy's life was crap or whatever. Uh huh. And she was in psych into psychology, so she told him she was like, oh, so you having anxiety issues or whatever? You can't finish or whatever. And he got pissed off, but. When he was gonna kill her, the cop came in, the cop got arrested her, thought she's the one that did everything, so she got put, she had to go to trial. Okay. And then when she's in trial, they sentence her to be locked up in the mental hospital forever, and she, she goes by the doll, she's like, you know what, you motherfucker, I'm still alive. Ha ha ha, I'm still alive, like she's all crazy now. Uh huh. And then the cop takes the doll, puts it in his car, and he's like, getting ready to drive, he calls somebody to get ready to drive away, and he looks at the bag, and the bag's going, Phew. You can see like the breathing under the right, bag right. and he's like, what the hell? And all of a sudden Tiffany pops up and cuts this guy's throat. Tiffany, his, his bride. Bride of Chucky. Yeah. She's in at the end. I was like, what the heck? You know how she, you know how the, in the seat of Chucky, she took over Jennifer Tilly's body and then her right, twins, right, right. her kids got into the twins' bodies. Right. 
Well, she was in it. I guess it played off of the old story. So she took him home and then he, she's like, where do you want to be sent next? Right? So she like wraps him up and sends him somewhere. Well, then it goes to that little girl. He never killed that little girl. The little girl from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. She went to go live with her grandma, her dad's mom. Uh huh. And so it shows, he shows up over there and the little girl comes home. She's like, grandma, I'm home. And she sees a box on the table and she's like, what the heck? Like, where's my grandma at? He pops out. He's like cussing up a storm. She's like, Chucky, don't be cussing at me. It was funny, but stupid. And then he's like, we're going to play a game of hide the soul or whatever. And then she goes, why do I always have to be it? And he's like, because you're, he goes, you're the last person I'll ever suspect. So basically he's putting his soul into her body because uh. he never got a body for his soul. Right. Which I never understood that. Cause if you remember like in all the other ones, he would always try to get a body and never could. Right. Something would always happen. Uh, have you seen this? You know, Chucky, that movie is pretty funny, but no. It's actually really funny. No, well, I seen bits and pieces of it. I didn't see all of it. And then that was basically the end of it. But I just I thought it was pretty good considering that it actually had somewhat of a storyline that went off from the other ones. It wasn't just like random. Like the the seed of Chucky was pretty random. <laughs> yeah, like it I had Tiffany in it, but then I didn't understand how Tiffany became Jennifer Tilly when she already was Jennifer Tilly in the Bride of Chucky. You see Bride of Chucky, right? Yes, unfortunately. I've yeah, she's Jennifer, one. her, the character's player Jennifer Tilly. Right. Well, in the Seed of Chucky, she's back in the doll's body and she needs a body to go into. So they killed Jennifer Tilly, the actress, and put her in Jennifer Tilly's body. When she's already Jennifer Tilly in the other movie, because that's her character being played by her. I was like, I don't understand this. Right. It made no sense. I don't know who writes these things, but it, for overall, for being a Chucky movie, I would say it's not that bad. Right on. Um, the only thing that I've seen this week is it's called All Tree Egos. Have you seen that? It's on Netflix. Mm-mm. And, you know, for the most part, it's a good movie. And what it is, is it, it takes place, well, number one, let me start in the beginning. Um, they're superheroes and they've captured all, spoilers, they've captured all the supervillains. Okay. And it's been 10 years since a supervillain's been, um, you know, running the street. They're all in prison. So the government decides that they're going to start cut, uh, the funding for the super, the superhero league or whatever the fuck they call it. And with that, because some of the, like the big name superheroes are living like high on the hog from government funding. Mm-hmm. And now because Is it of, a series or a movie, it's a movie. Oh, okay. And. Because now the the government is going to, you know, stop giving them money for being superheroes. Now they're like, uh, what do we do now? So then it jumps to this guy and his name is Fridge or short for refrigerator. What? And his, he's pretty much kind of like an Iceman type mm-hmm. character. He wakes up, he's in bed and he's in bed with this one chick and he wakes up. And he's, he's got the whole garb on. He's got the costume, the mask, and he, he gets up and he grabs his cup of coffee and, and, you know, he's watching the news about how everybody pretty much hates superheroes and they think that they're just, you know, sucking up government money, money. And then his friend, who is, uh, see-through. Can you guess what his power is? Visibility. No, he can see through shit. Oh, really? Yeah. X-ray vision. Oh. Says, okay, well, I have, uh, this job I need you to help me with. And he's like, okay. So he goes and meets see through at this kind of old, uh, beachside resort. And he's talking to see through. And the, the guy's like, well, what's, what's, 
the guy's like, well, what's your problem? What's the matter? He goes, dude, my lady's cheating on me, man. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Do you know who it is? And he goes, yeah, it's it's whatever his name is, Brian. And he goes, Brian? And he goes, yeah, my alter ego, Brian. Oh, my God. And he goes, that dirty bitch whore. She's... And, and C3 is like, wait a minute. You, you are him and him, he, he is you. And he's like, yeah, so that's how I know. She's cheating. And he's like, uh, okay. And he's like, I'm going to break up with that dirty whore bitch, you know? And, uh, so they're there and then they, they come in and they see this guy who's chained to the bed. I can't remember what his name is. He kind of reminds me of, um, shit. What's his name? George Clooney. It's not, but he kind of reminds me of George Clooney. And so they have to transport the this guy who's like the last super villain. And in the process of of doing this, um he goes and he's the the fridge is like, "Okay, that's fine, but I've I've got to I've got to email whatever her name was because I've got to email whatever her name was because I'm breaking up with her." Yeah. So he goes into the cabin, like where the office cabin is, and he's like, it gives this one lady this whole spill about, you know, how he needs, it's an important superhero business, da 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 da. And she turns to the sign and it says something, you know, no, no shirts, no service, no internet or some shit like that. And he's like begging her. And then in comes the guy from that 70s show, um, the cool one with the curly hair. Oh yeah, he's a cop. He's like, I work for Truth, Justice, and the American Way, and he's like, What do you do? And he's like, I free stuff. And he's like, And he goes, That's it. And he goes, Well, Superman has heat vision. He can free stuff with his breath. He can fly. And Fridge is like, That's a fictional fucking character. <laughs> And so they they have a back and forth, and and they were starting to get heated. But then see through, seeing what was going on, he was watching them. So he comes in and breaks them up. And and the process, he's like, okay, but I need to get to the internet. And he's and then see through is like, well, why don't you change to your alter ego, the normal guy, and go in there and ask? And he goes, well, okay. And he goes, while you're at it, take a shower. Because mind you, he wakes up and he's, and early in the, in the movie, he's like, how long have you had that costume on? And he's like, a long time. So he, at this point, he's telling him, you know, take a shower. He, yeah. He fucking smell. He changes his costume to the alter ego and he walks in and he asks this chick about, um, the internet and they get into a conversation about how much they hate superheroes. And so she's like, yeah, go ahead. Go use my internet. So he breaks up with her, this chick on the internet. Now you jump back to him. He's walking back and, and see-through comes by and he's like, I got something to tell you. But, in, but at this point, he's talking to the lady behind the counter and he's setting up dinner plans. He's like, I'll talk to you in a minute. I'll talk to you in a minute. You know, so he sets up dinner plans and he goes, you know, your parents, you know, they were killed and, and the way that they set it up was the, the father killed the mother and then killed himself. 
well, he goes, well, that, that was a cover-up. He goes, the man we're getting ready to transport is the one that killed your mom and dad. And that enrages the fridge, right? So the fridge is going, and he's standing there, and he's like, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to kill this guy for killing my parents. And see-through is more like, yeah, go ahead. Go do it, man. I'm going to stand out here, you know, justice is justice. Go, Just go kill him. Yeah. I won't say nothing. And he's like, okay. And he walks in there. And then as he's walking in there, you're starting to put two and two together. You know, you're like, okay. The fridge is a patsy for something. You don't quite know what it is yet, but you know he's a patsy. He walks in there, and the guy's just smiling. And he goes, you killed my parents. And and he's, uh, you know, making his little ice sparkles in his hand and shit. And the guy's just, like, looking at him. He's like, and then all of a sudden his arm starts twitching, the fridge's arm. And then he starts breakdancing. And when you're watching it, you're like, what the fuck? You know, there's different angles and different shots and views and whatever. And then you realize that the guy has the power, the villain has the power to take over the person's ability to, um, to move. And you're like, oh, okay. So it gets kind of weird there because he doesn't like free himself. He just makes him breakdance and shit. Yeah. And then see-through walks in and see-through is like, you know, said something about a serum. And there was a, earlier in the, in the movie, you see him shooting up and you just think he's doing drugs, but it's actually a, a serum where they can't, um, he can't manipulate the other person's mind. Mm-hmm. So you go forward into this and mind you, all during this time, the fridge is trying to set up a date with the chick behind the counter. Okay. Then you find out that see-through is going to go outside. He's going to talk to to Captain Awesome, who's the the head of the league. He's like Superman kind of thing. Mm. And the guy is like, you know, you look like your dad. And he's like, did you really kill my dad? And he's like, yeah, but I, you know, Tom was Tom was a great guy. And he's like, don't you mention his name? And he goes, I was sad about it too because he was my older brother. So you find out that this villain's his uncle. Oh. And he gives the whole backstory about how um the older brother, Fridge's father, you know, develops his powers first. He becomes a great superhero, gets with this superhero girl, and forgot about him, you know, the villain. And he decides that he's going to take his powers, because he can pretty much make anybody do whatever he wanted, and he's going to live a life of crime, but he's going to live a life of luxury. Well, one night they met up, um, the brothers got in an argument, and out of rage, um, he made the brother shoot his wife and then shoot himself. So, to make a very long story short, as I'm going on and talk about this, the less interested I'm becoming about it, <laughs> um, he freezes his uncle. And then you, you see, you find out that it was all a ploy to get the fridge to become the new supervillain so they can have the funding, you know, reinstated for the superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. So all this is going on. He's like, I got to leave. I got to leave. He changes his costume. He goes back to his civilian clothes. He goes and runs to, to the chick behind the counter. He finally has lunch, which like, wait a minute, just 30 seconds ago, you were on the run. Now you're having dinner with the chick. 
and you're they're talking and they're getting ready to leave together. And then remember the guy from that 70s show? Yeah. They had a fight with? Yeah, the cop. He comes out dressed as the fridge and he holds a gun. And he shoots the girl behind the counter and he shoots see-through. But then the the real fridge freezes him. And um he's crying about see-through even though that there was a fight behind it. Um He's like, you know, crying about see-through being shot, mortally shot. And then even though the chick has been injured, she gets up and she reveals that she has a superpower. She's a healer. So she heals herself. She heals him. What the heck? They're talking and he's like, well, as far as I'm concerned, Fridge is right there. He's dead. Wait a minute. All this... And then you're just like, whatever, he's dead. And he's like, I'll I'll take care of this. So the the real fridge and the new girlfriend jump in the car. They take off. Um, He goes see through. Takes the the cop's body, dumps it into the lake until it's found. When it's found, they say the fridge wasn't a villain. It you know he was this cop. Blah blah blah. Gave him you know hero's tribute, but said that the other guy. The uncle was still alive and at large. And because the uncle was still alive and at large, they needed superhero protection from this guy. So they reinstated the superhero funding. And as you're watching bits and pieces from the the different news articles, you see um, see see-through burying the uncle's body. Oh. The end. The heck? And... It was it was amusing. It was okay. I gave it. It feels like two hours of your life that you can't take back. Yeah. Uh, why? Well, okay. This is this is why. This <laughs> that was like is, a pothead wrote that. It's funny you say that because where I found about it is I was listening to it on a podcast that uh, Kevin Smith does. And I was gonna say I knew this was gonna be related to Kevin Smith somehow. It always is. And it was actually picked up and distributed by Smodcast Presents. Uh. So he was the distributor. And, you know, they did like a two-hour thing about talking about this guy. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to push pause because they said, if you haven't seen the movie yet, push pause, watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast, which I'm glad I did. Actually, no, probably because if I would have listened to the rest of the podcast, I would probably wouldn't have not watched the movie. <laughs> but <clears throat> so well, that's what I did is he, he released the movie and it's this guy and his, his parents are doctors. You know, he's rich. This is real who the director, yeah. director is. This is like his second movie. Uh, his very first movie that he ever made, he was able to run, to raise half a million dollars, $500,000. And he just kind of, uh, you know, it wasn't that good. And I'm thinking five hundred or $500,000, and he's just kind of blowing it off, right? And they're talking about how independent filmmakers are today. And then he's like, well, then I decided I'm going to write this one movie, which ended up being Alter Egos. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to make this movie for $25,000. And I was like, okay, that piqued my interest to listen to more about it. And... When he said that, Kevin Smith laughed, and he said, well, how much did it end up costing you? He goes, well, that movie only cost $250,000. Now, when you say only, 
that tells you you're coming from money and that does not make you independent. Yeah, it doesn't. No. Indie is when you think five bucks. Budget films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shoestring films. You know, when five bucks is like, Oh, we got yeah. five bucks. You know what I'm trying to say? Not five million dollars. Yeah. And that's what I was going to talk about tonight is back in the nineties, like, um, Robert Rodriguez made his movie. Um, the one he ended up remaking it again later called Desperado. Mm-hmm. But I think the original was Eluch. El, was it? Oh, fuck it. I don't care. Anyway, it was only seven thousand dollars. He made an entire movie with seven grand. That is indie filmmaking. Yeah, it is. Kevin Smith, he took all his credit cards. He sold all his comic books. He spent $26,000 to make Clerks. That's an indie movie. Yeah. You know, um, Richard Linklater, you know, he made, um, oh, Slackers, you know, and I think that only cost like $50,000. But, Still, he had to raise that capital. It was only $50,000. You know, that's indie. Nowadays, anything from, what is it? Anything less than, uh, what is it? I think it, if it's anything less than like a hundred million dollars is considered indie. For example, another example is they're making their Tusk movie. The test movie budget is $4 million. And he's like, that's just a little cheap indie flick movie. And I'm like, how the fuck is $4 million cheap? And I, I, I kind of sat down and realized something at that moment. What I, pers- um, I'm getting caught up in the emotion here. What I see as cheap and indie is not what everybody else sees as cheap yeah. and indie. And and that kind of just kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit because if I had four million dollars and that's anything less than four million dollars they consider it as a shit piss poor movie. You have to have more than four million dollars to make four million or and above is to make a good movie. Yeah. I could make a wonderful movie with five hundred thousand dollars. I know I could. Yeah. I know I could have, you know, the whole shebang, you know, might not have, you know, the, the three, the, um, shit, what is it? The three units, you know, you have first unit, second unit, third unit shooting, you know, first unit's shooting primary, second unit is shooting like maybe the minor characters, what's going on. And then the third unit is like shooting like the trash can sitting in the corner. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We might not have a, a, second or third unit but i could i could make a a movie and i could surely and they and they were talking about on the podcast you know you're listening to the storyline you watch the movie you're like fuck i could have made this movie dude i could have made that movie seriously on my iphone (laughs) there was i mean other than you know he would um he would do the little sparkle thing with his hand and he did it like three times Throughout the movie, I think I could get enough good CG free online to do the exact same thing or do it, you know, because you can download CG off your phone. Yeah. I honestly, I'm like, where did all that money go? I mean, did you, did you pay like uh, the dude from the 70s show? Did you pay him like 
I don't know. Seventy five percent of the freaking money. Four hundred and fifty thousand dollars to you know to play that one little bit of role. I mean, where did the money go? And it just it blew my mind. So here's my question to you: If someone would go and say, "Here's four million dollars," what kind of movie would you? What? Um, this is for both of you. I want separate answers from both of you. What kind of movie would you make for four million dollars? I was thinking about that before you came over. Animated. Like full-on animated? Like full-on anime. Well, you know, full-on animated, I mean, we're talking CG graphic and all that? Yes. That's only a million dollars. You still have three million dollars left. And the rest of the three million, I don't know. <laughs> it would have to, I, I would want good voice actors though. So you'd spin it in the acting? The voice yeah. acting? Because a lot of the popular voice actors nowadays, like, they, they don't, they don't charge a lot because they know, they stay true to themselves, but a lot of them do charge a lot because that's what they're used to. Right. What about you, Betts? I'd probably make, like, a zombie movie. I could have all the good ass, like, special effects makeup artists. I'd People from want. The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'd ever want, and you wouldn't have to have that many well-known actors. You could use all your money for like location, and you'd have like one main good actor, right? And everybody one else could draw, be, yeah. And then one, and then everybody else could just be like no-name actors and like extras. And as long have, as it's not Brad Pitt, yeah. As long as it's not Brad Pitt, I think it would be good to do that. Like, it wouldn't take it would. I mean, it would take a lot of money, but it wouldn't take that much money. I think you could make a good movie, like a good zombie movie with that kind of money. I agree. Um. And a lot of people who know me is going to be surprised, but I think with the $4 million, I could make a really good, a long time ago, about 10 years ago, I wrote a, a script, a movie script about hospitals. And originally it was called Drama Valley Hospital because of, of how much drama goes in behind the scenes, you know, with different people. And just recently I started playing with it again and I, I ended up calling it Professional Secrets. And I think I could, I could make a, instead of having to try to go find a place to shoot, you know, at a hospital, I'd actually have that shit built, you know, make sound stages. Yeah. And I could, oh my God, I would have money left over where <laughs> I could market it myself, you know, like buy TV spots and, and have, I don't know. I, I just, the thought now, our goal is $450,000 for the animated Ayotnum film. And yes, I realize that is a lot of money. But that's not our initial. That's if we reach this goal, I know what all I can get. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is everything that I want to put into a film or animated film. This is what it's going to cost me. But I know what the, the actual cost of the film is you know, on the low end of things. And though it's, it's considerably cheaper, I think that, I don't know. I, I Again, it, it's the way I see indie and the way people see indie are, I guess, two different things. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to get on too much of a, a rant, I guess. But, yeah, oh, shit. I mean, with $4 million, I could probably do two films, to be honest with you. Two and a half. I don't know. But. I wouldn't even be trying to 
make it. If I <laughs> if I had four million dollars, I would I would get myself financially situated first, and then work on the film. That's true. You know, and that's it was kind of frustrating and 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 Kevin Smith was talking on the podcast and he's like after you listen to this podcast you should feel like you want to go make a movie but after listening to the podcast it was very frustrating to me because number one the the one guys that he promoted before called the dirties the the writer director was the son of a doctor and this one is a son of two doctors and i'm like fuck is is that what it is is that what we have to do is is that we have, we have to, to adopt our children out to rich people and then get them back when they're older and get all the money off of <laughs> right. them what the fuck <laughs> right and that's the way i was feeling is is like unless you come into some type of money and i don't care i've worked with doctors for almost 20 years i know the truth about doctors i know how much money they make if they if they ever say oh i don't have that much money they're lying they are lying doctors especially independent doctor practices make at least one and a half million dollars a year okay so you've got to have some type of money because number one you you have to have some type of cred- credential to go in and, and get that much money you know to spend half or get half a million dollars on your first short film not only are you going to spend half a million dollars on making a first film, you're going to make it a short film, which I think it was, I was like 29 minutes long or some shit like that. You have to have some type of credential behind you. Yeah. You have daddy who's an MD. That's your credential. And to me, it was very frustrating. And I'm not saying no, I'm, I'm not quitting the Yotnum project. I'm not quitting anything, but it was just, if you really want to hear the progress, of an indie film, then keep coming back every week here because we'll give you the progress of a real independent film. We don't have hand over fist money. We don't have the credentials for mommy and daddy. You know, they're not doctors. And while we do have connection, family connections inside Hollywood, that will not serve us nothing. I mean, realistically, that won't, that won't do us any good. I mean, if, if we were more maybe kiss asses and brown noses, that might put us further up the ladder into getting things done. But realistically, this is as indie as a project as it's going to get. So there you go. That's why I got to have my hats off to all those indie game, uh, producers. Cause you, you can, you can go on Xbox Live. You can go on Facebook. Perfect example, Facebook. You look at all the Facebook games, those are all indie games. Are a they? A lot of them are. Yeah. Well, not all of them. Some of them are made by like EA and bigger name companies. And like but... Zynga and, yeah, but a lot of them are indie games. That people produce by themselves and make. Same thing with, <laughs> same thing with Android apps. Like games and stuff like that and different apps. Those uh-huh. are all indie. <clears throat> and that's why, like I said, it, it, my hats are off to them because they can make they can make something successful with just their ideas and know in a program that they have. Yeah. Right. And hopefully that's where we're going to go folks yeah. is we're going to take this dopey idea. I'm working on act three still of a Yot gnome and you know, hopefully we'll see it to fruition. 
and, and you know, we'll set and do the recordings. Do I think we'll become millionaires? No, not really. No. Is there a, a opportunity to do so? Oh, absolutely. You know, this is the biggest project I've ever worked on in my life. So, you know, there's always, and I think there's something else different too between the real indie people and, and people like, you know, people that made, uh, um, the dirties and, uh, ultra egos. Yeah. Is that they, they talk about that. Well, that's not my goal. I, I wasn't trying to make all this money. That is a lie. Okay. That it's is because a lie. they knew it. They knew it flopped so hard and it came out as shit. That's why, oh, no, I wasn't trying to make money. Of course you were. Every fucking person tries to make money. Sometimes Absolutely. they do, sometimes they do it just for, for the money. For the money. And sometimes they do it because they want to do it. So they feel like that they have an idea. Money's an added bonus. Yeah. Because, okay, this is, yes, I want people to go see this. But I don't want people to go see this for free. Yeah. You know? There's that fine line. You know, that that would be kind of stupid to spend that kind of money and put it out on YouTube if I wanted it for free. Yeah. You know? Movie makers who are passionate about their craft, about making movies, they make the movies and they want people to go see them. But on the flip side, they want to get fucking paid for that. You know? Yeah. And when I hear people talk about, especially when they call themselves indie Oh, I don't care. I don't care if anybody wants to buy it. If you're a real indie, you know, you'd be fucking praying, please, somebody buy the movie so I can have enough money to make a second movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's, I don't know. So that's my, my uplifting spill on alter egos and indie filmmaking. Um... We are just a nose hair away from our episode 52. Uh, tomorrow, come back for Sunday and hear us babble about something in episode 51 and then, then come back. That's, we're doing three days straight, people. So hopefully by the time we get to episode 52, the three of us still have a voice left. So I think that's pretty much it for this week. Well, not this week, but for today because we will be back tomorrow. So we'll see you tomorrow. I'm David K. Montoya. I'm Rebecca C. Lofgren. And I'm Aaron Illich. And if you're one of those douchebag indie filmmakers that just wants to have people watch your movie, then after listening to this, you're definitely seeing red. Good night. Now I know what you're thinking. Yes, yes, yes. I was uh, a little hostile, just a skosh. Um, you know, the, the whole indie thing is, is kind of a taboo question. Well, not question, but a taboo thing for me because I've considered myself indie from day one, you know, and just kind of listening to that really gets the blood going again. And, uh, you know, I'm just really passionate about the concept of, of indie and, you know, these people out here that are busting their balls to really get, you know, whether it be a book or a comic book or a movie or their own music CD put out or a podcast, you know, they really got to, you know, go against the grain and do everything they can where I think mainstream, anything mainstream would be, you know, 
asking mom and dad or whoever for money and they go do it. it to me, that's totally different. If, if you ask for money and they give it to you, that's not indie. Okay, I'm not going to get on the same rant. I just wanted to kind of fill that out there for you folks. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's get this bucket of rolling one more time and see what we can pull up for the next episode, or not the next episode, but the next podcast here for this episode of Flashback Fridays. That's what happens when you don't work with a script, kids. All right, getting it all mixed up here nice. I'm feeling kind of nostalgic. I'm hoping I pull like an earlier episode of something here. Okay, I got one, and... Let's see. Ooh. I'm a big fan of this. Well, I was a big fan of this until we ended it. But it is Sheer Darkness, number 32. Released on September 5th, 2013. Episode 32, titled The Pretty Good Worker. And the synopsis of this reads, In this episode, Terry tells us and Dave about his past history of relationships, sex, and the craziness which leads afterwards, then somehow connects it all to working in so many hospitals over the past years. Now, this, I remember this one because, you know, obviously I was there recording it, and it is definitely one of my favorite episodes. It just, just sit back and relax and listen to what kind of craziness and intriguing stories that Mr. Shearer is about to tell us. Okay, so like I said, go ahead, sit back, relax, put your feet up, and enjoy Sheer Darkness, number 32. Greetings, everyone. I am Terry D. Shearer. And I am David K. Montoya. And I bid you welcome to Sheer Darkness. Before we get started with our uh, official segment tonight, I, I wanted to... Just ask Dave how things were going this week, because I know that uh, aside from working extra, he also has spent uh, many hours working on several new podcasts for the Jason Mott podcast network. Yes. So go ahead, just let us know what what's going on with that. Okay. Um. Well, first. Our first new podcast for the Jaisal Modcast Network is Don't Get Us Started, and that's with uh, my co-host from What We Think, S. Sadie Burbank, and my life co-host, uh, my wife, Lacey Montoya. They're, where do they come out? They come out every Wednesday. Um, they just came out with episode four this week. And though... Um, they, they've got a, a good reception so far. You know, I, I think I need to spread the word a little bit more. Uh, and this goes to the female listeners. I think this is more more of a show that would meet the fancy to the female listeners than the males. Well, they are both women. Um, yeah, that, that definitely. Means, that means female. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, and and they are funny and they're they're quirky and they come up with you know interesting subjects, uh, you know, topics. Uh, from plugging a couple shows, I know one subject that they talked about was, you know, 
what kind of weird object women hid in their vaginas. Um, which I, I'll spoilers. Yeah, I, yeah, go, yeah. go right ahead. I I don't know what's going on. Uh, the weirdest thing I think was the uh, a poster of Donny Osmond. So you're gonna have to listen to that show. What we or don't get us started. Um, and again, that's on Wednesdays, and and the girls have some really fun stuff to to talk about and show them some love. Um, you know, if if you're a dude, you might be into that kind of thing. <laughs> Shoving up Donny Osmond posters <laughs> into your private parts—that would be good. Yeah. Um. But again, I, I believe it's mainly for the lady listeners that we have. And then all the way from the Great White North, we have um, the movie Madhouse. And I know it's it's usually with Mike and Steve and Jason. I believe it's Steve. But I know Mike and Jason are definitely part of the show. Um, and they are essentially what I wanted Saturday segments to be. Uh, these guys are funny. Uh, one of the things that I noticed is listening through their podcast, they reference Kevin Smith a lot. Really? Is, are they are they on Saturday? Um, no. Uh, the movie Madhouse is on Tuesdays. It shares the same time spot with um, news, views, and reviews. And the reason that is is because well, they're all the way up to episode 12 as I brought them in, and all their shows have been Tuesday, so oh. that's why I didn't readjust it. Well, what, what's on Saturday? Technically, Saturday is supposed to be me uh, doing Who's the Boss. Oh. But I, I've been so busy with everything, you know, this, um, from working at the hospital to being here to working on the movie script which uh, I have to say publicly thank you for, you know, a lot of help and inspiration today. We, we actually sat and worked on the movie script today. Yeah, for an hour or so. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, and maybe when I get around to it, I know I'm still at episode 24, so the next episode of Who's the Boss will be 25. Uh, maybe I'll sit and talk about that, and, and we'll see what happens. It's just me finding the time to... In everything I do, and, and now that you're here with me, you, you kind of know, you know, to... Nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> to to find some time, some quiet time to sit down. Well, yeah, quiet time is absolutely impossible. And, and that's, that's kind of the key thing, you know, just to gather my thoughts. Normally, um, I've been... Originally, I was doing it, I'd get up, to take Jaden to school, go run my errands, and then come home and then podcast, you know, the the who's the boss while everybody's still asleep. But I just, I haven't been able to do that. So maybe here soon, um, you know, I might start doing that again. All right. Um, so what about Sunday? <laughs> What's happening on Sundays? Technically, there is no show on Sundays, though we do have a copyright yet, yet, on yet, yet. There, yet. There will be a soon show on Sunday. Sunday, the soon show. Which is called Sunday Sermons. Right. Uh, and and we're looking forward to that because that's going to be a... Uh, well, it's going to be 
everything they don't talk about on Sunday in church, which leaves us a wide open berth for uh, topics. <clears throat> it's quite Sunday sermon simply because it's Sunday. Sunday, but uh, it's not going to. Don't worry, it's not going to be no. No religious, uh. Be no, fire. no hellfire. No hellfire. No brimstone. No, not, not oh. that kind. No. Damn. Okay. Anyway, so look forward to that. I'm looking forward to it. Yep. And is, it's gonna be, uh, Reverend Rick doing the? <laughs> the right Reverend <laughs> Reaper Rick <laughs> will be sitting in on, uh, at least the first episode. And we'll see how things go after that. Yeah, it, it's just something that Terry tossed, and I, I like the idea, so <clears throat> we'll see how long we can run with it. Right. Okay. Good. More? You got more? Um, actually, I was just going to ask, because you, you haven't talked about this in about three episodes. How are you feeling? Uh, well, I have... Uh, Days when I feel better than other days, and days that I feel worse than other days. But all in all, I'm feeling adequate. I'll take adequate. You know, whatever. Don't feel terrible. Don't feel great, but I'm functioning. So, so are you adjusting to this god awful weather? Actually, you know, this weather's not so bad. I mean, it was it was more miserable in Orange County past couple of days here have been hot, I admit that, but it's like uh, living in Alaska inside, because Dave has some kind of special <laughs> air conditioning service that uh, runs continuously, so it's not bad at all in the house. Yeah, it's been a little warm outside, but uh, I was actually more uncomfortable in Orange County than I, I've been here. Good deal. So, yeah, I'm doing fine. Well, our contract says that we can't smoke in the house. Um, contract? Yeah, I have a contract on this place. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the contract that we have on the apartment. Lease, you mean? Or there's actually... An there's actual an actual contract. contract, yes. And you can't smoke in the house? You cannot smoke in the house. Ever? Anywhere? Fuck, dude, why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> Especially uh, weed. No weed in the house. Oh. Oh, damn, I just thought it was because, you know, your kids are... <laughs> I was a prude. <laughs> no, I just thought, you know, Jay has asthma and, and that you've got the little two-year-old, so I thought, well, you don't want to pollute them. But I, I thought it was just because of the kids. It's no, like, it's it's because we can't. We're not allowed to. <clears throat> if the owner swings by here and smells cigarettes, you know, in the air, walks in the house, the house smells like cigarettes. You know, that's cause for eviction. Holy crap. Well, learn something new every day, folks. <laughs> I've been here two and a half weeks, and I didn't know that. <clears throat> but, uh, okay, thanks for telling me. No problem. Yeah. So, well, what is tonight's topic? What um, do you want to talk about? You know, I... Again, I, I know there's some crossover listeners for this show and uh, news views and reviews, but not everybody listens to both shows. But 
the other uh, the other night yesterday. Uh-huh. Yesterday, I guess when Reaper's show came out. Day before yesterday. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, when his show came out, <clears throat> he had such a good time talking about um, sex exploits and, and such that I thought I would uh, carry over that a little bit in this show. And uh, I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that one thing, especially women, want to know is what do guys really look for when they go out hoping to hook up with someone? And I'm pretty sure that every guy has different criteria for what he is looking for and what he'll settle for at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, it's, you know, that old adage, it's a 2 at 10 and a 10 at 2. <laughs> but, uh, so I just thought, you know, Dave and I could just share with the world what we look for in an attractive female. Okay. And I know that both of us have been out of the dating scene for some 20 years. Yeah, so well, it might have changed a little bit in the meantime, but I think basically uh, criteria remains pretty much the same. But we're going to find out. Okay. So let I'll let you go first since um, you're younger. Than <laughs> I don't know why. Just go ahead. <clears throat> um. Wow. I guess I should say first that I've, I've been with my wife since I was in high school. That's... Oh, what a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was actually with my first wife. I mean, we met. We met in the 10th grade. We started going together in the 11th grade. And then, you know, we got married the year after high school. So, yeah, I was with my first wife from high school. So we were together about 12, 14 years or something. But uh, go ahead. No problem. Um, let's see. I think the biggest thing is, and I know this sounds silly, but I, I know it. For me, it's important, is to be able to have a conversation, to to have a, a mental capacity to understand what I'm saying. Yeah, but you're, you're you're in a bar, dude, or someplace. Oh, know? okay, okay, okay. You know, and 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 you're not you you don't really have the time to sit down and strike up a conversation when you walk into a bar and you look around. What are you looking for? Uh, let's see. I could walk in. Oh, you're breathing. Okay, check. No ring. Check. Female. Double check. <laughs> okay. Well, you've got a really open kind of uh, <laughs> criteria there, don't you? <clears throat> Seriously, that's it? You know, if, if you know to, to be honest... around and, and breathing, that's all you need? Well, um, to be honest with you, I've never been in that situation. I, I So that's... Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. It's it's difficult to, to picture, yeah, that when you've been... 
with one person for 20 years or so. Yeah. Okay, well, then never mind. <laughs> um, <clears throat> myself, while I've been married most of my life to different people, there was a, a period of time when I was single. And when you uh, when you go into a a, a a place where there are you know men and women and they're enjoying themselves and they're drinking or whatever uh, you know <clears throat> First of all, it depends on whether I'm looking at them face on or back on. You know, if I'm looking at them from the rear, first thing I notice about a girl usually is her hair. If she has nice hair, that's a plus. You know, I have a, I have a mental checklist, and I, I check things off as I as I view people. And hair, nice hair, is is especially important. Um, again, from the back, back side is always nice, but uh, back side. I mean, I'm talking about the bottom. You know, the booty. Um, a nice booty is always nice. I mean, nice round booty, nice plump booty. Well, that makes nice. sense. You walking around the house singing back bottom girls. That that actually fat, fat bottom girls. Yep. Yeah. That, that um, makes a lot of sense now. Well, yeah, that, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I, I do appreciate uh, a nice booty. Um, from the front side, uh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a real boob guy. You know, I mean, you know, boobs are wonderful to have, but uh, you know, size isn't really that important to me. Um, I think that. Uh, Again, you're looking at the hair and the and and you know the face. As long as the face is not uh, marred by you know a sword slash across the <laughs> upper lip or something. <clears throat> but you know, basically, if 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 I don't see anything that uh, initially turns me off, um, I'd be willing to go up and talk to somebody. Now, once you once you actually get a face to face going, then we have another whole list of things that need to be checked off. And <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> something I find really important in a, in a woman is a sense of humor, uh, because they have to be able to appreciate someone who is extremely cynical and bitter most of the time but I'm talking about me of course and but I do have a uh, dry rather a rather dry sense of humor so a woman with a, a good sense of humor is important um, and intelligence is <clears throat> is another plus it's not absolutely necessary for just a, uh, a one-night stand or anything but uh, it certainly is necessary for a long-term relationship. And let's see. You know, I go through the, my little checklist, and down at the very bottom, 
of all my checklists, I have to... This one is checked off all the time because this one says women are deranged. And that's a big <laughs> check because it doesn't matter what they look like or, you know, how intelligent they are or anything else. <clears throat> you just have to realize up front that this person is mentally unstable and may not show up for quite a while but uh, eventually it does when it does it's always terrible <sighs> anyway so <clears throat> in my uh, Orange County reminiscing because I was having so many uh, <clears throat> bad memories come flooding back would it be considered as a flashback? No, not really flashbacks. Just, uh, just you know, things that didn't go as planned or didn't go well. Uh, <clears throat> but then I, I recently I've been I've been remembering some of the good times too, which were always more fun than the bad times. But uh, during shortly after I. See, I was a respiratory therapist for 12 years, and I worked at hospitals for, you know, that whole period of time. And after about 12 years, I just decided to get out of the field because I figured I'd learned pretty much all I was going to learn doing that job. Okay. And uh, plus I was pretty much tired of seeing people die every day. So I decided to branch off into another field. Uh, what I ended up branching off into was uh, like social service kind of work. Really? Well, I call it social service, but it's not It's not like working in, in an office. I worked with uh, developmentally disabled adults um, who were sometimes living at home, sometimes were locked up in state institutions, but we would... Uh, drive around in a van, pick them up from their homes or wherever they live and take them out into the, the community and teach them to do <clears throat> excuse me just <clears throat> God, excuse me, just basic jo odd jobs like we'd go to the park and rake up leaves or we'd rake the sand in the, you know, the, the play pits right, right. where the kids play pick up dog crap off the lawn, you know, mow lawns occasionally, sweep up sidewalks and, and stuff like that. Basically just to give these people uh, a chance to get out of their institutionalized setting and give them a sense of purpose, something to look forward to, hopefully. And, you know, we'd have lunch in the park and whatever and, um, you know, so anyway, I took a huge pay cut to do this kind of work, and uh, it was sometimes very rewarding and sometimes very difficult, but while I was doing that that job, and I did it in, in uh, for several different companies over a period of years, I, I met a lot of... Uh, new people and got to experience a lot of new things. And uh, before 
I started working in this profession. I'd never been much of a drinker. I mean, I drink on occasion, but I, I didn't drink on a regular basis. But I discovered that uh, after work, on this job especially, uh, a bunch of the guys who worked with me would go across the street to a Mexican restaurant after work because we usually got off about five and we'd hit happy hour over there and they'd, they'd serve up free tacos and crap. Oh, right on. And uh, so we'd uh, spend a couple of hours there to unwind, more or less. <clears throat> and I met a guy that I became friends with for several years until he became totally unreliable. But anyway, he introduced me to some other interesting night spots and this one place that we used to hit pretty much every weekend I just really liked. And I won't mention the name of it even though it's been 25 years. It probably isn't even still there. But anyway, this place was really cool. It had uh, two or three levels in it. It was a big bar Lots of booths, lots of tables, pool, darts, everything. The thing I really liked about it was that it looked like somebody's converted attic. There was stuff just, some people call it junk, hanging off the ceiling and on the walls and everything. And it looked so much like my old house, my old place where I used to live. You know, I just loved it because the ambiance was just so cool. And uh, I met <sighs> at least two women there that uh, I managed to have relationships with. Both of them were very short relationships, but uh, it was interesting. <clears throat> and one of the guys that I worked with was a black guy and apparently we took him to this uh, rest, I mean this bar that we used to go to all the time one night and, and he, he informed us that across the street and down a few spots was a bar that he used to go to all the time so one night we went over there and this was pretty much a black bar in other words, it was mostly patronized by uh, black people, you know, which is fine. Um, but, you know, uh, there were white people in there, too. So I, I was kind of excited to go over there because I was expecting, like, maybe, you know, some kind of jazz deal. Right. You know, where you can listen to some, you know, cool music. Um, it wasn't like that, though. It was just basically a bar. But we went in there one night, and the <clears throat> first thing that caught my eye was this beautiful, petite little girl, a uh, woman, basically, um, at the bar that I just, I latched onto eyeballs, my eyeballs immediately. And <clears throat> she was sitting in between two of the biggest 
guys I had ever seen. I mean, they looked like <laughs> they looked like mountain trolls or something. <laughs> These guys were. I mean, the two of them must have weighed over six hundred and fifty pounds. Wow! And I, I was surprised the floor didn't like cave in beneath them or something. But <clears throat> this chick was obviously with these guys and I sat I was sitting at a table and I kept looking over at her and eventually I caught her eye and she stared at me for a while and we just had this look and I, I'm sure most of you out there know what I mean by we shared a look <clears throat> and that look meant something like a look of interest or anything uh, it wasn't just interest it was a look of well, yeah, interest, I guess. Okay. So anyway, we were we were kind of staring at each other, and eventually there was a commotion. My my black friend was over in the back of the bar, and he got into an argument with somebody else, and the argument got really loud. And eventually, most of the people at the bar headed back in that direction to see what was going on. Well, the two mountain trolls <laughs> got up and and you know waddled over there to see what was happening but they left the chick there at the bar so as soon as they vacated the area I shot over there right away and I started talking to her and I said you know would you like to get out of here and go somewhere else and she said oh, you know I would like to but I really can't I'm kind of with these two guys and I, I, I mean, she was maybe five feet tall and just fucking gorgeous. And these guys were like 6'6 six, six and 6'7 six, and weighed over 300 pounds apiece. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And I said, are you sure? You know, we can duck out right now and they'll never even know. My car is right across the street. And she, she said, oh, I really can't. I, they would get really pissed off if I ducked out on it. I said, okay. Anyway, that 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 was a, a blown opportunity. But as they left, the three of them left together, and I walked out a little ways behind them just to see. And as they were walking down the street, she turned around and looked at me with that look again. And I thought, fuck. That one got away. But whatever. <clears throat> And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, 
Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one- to two-minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at So <clears throat> that was uh, that was just one other interesting experience I had, and something else that I, I discovered working with those guys. Um, I had <clears throat> I had tried coke before, and it never really did anything for me. I couldn't understand what the big attraction was. And uh, we went to a party one night, and. There was just coke flowing, coke flowing freely everywhere, and people were getting all coked up and everything, and, and they kept insisting that I snort some, and I said, "Okay, fine," and I did, and you know, whatever. I still didn't feel anything, but it just kept appearing, and you know, people were shoving a straw at me and everything, so I was snorting periodically all all through the night. And I still wasn't feeling anything. And I, I heard people say, you know, you, you know you've had too much coke when your front teeth go numb. Uh, I think I've heard that before. And I and I, I've heard that and I thought, how in the hell can your front teeth go numb? You can't even feel your teeth. I mean unless you're tapping on them with your finger or something like that. They're just in your head. And son of a bitch, if about 1 o'clock in the morning I suddenly, I suddenly realized that my front teeth were so fucking numb I could hardly talk. Oh, shit. 
and I'm 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 going around feeling my face, you know, with my fingers going, "Oh my God, my teeth are numb! What the hell?" So apparently that's a true fact, and uh, apparently that means you've had too much coke. And the only feeling I got from that whole episode was having numb teeth. So I still don't get the whole <clears throat> the whole deal with coke. But uh, that was something else I learned right during that period. And uh, <clears throat> this is this is totally off off topic. Well, not really. But this happened before when I was still working in the hospital. Now, hospitals are dens of iniquity. There's more shit going on hospitals that anybody is aware of, patients or I mean, the staff is aware of it but the patients certainly aren't <clears throat> there's more sex going on in hospitals than anybody would ever suspect and uh, I used to uh, rate the hospitals I worked at by how many women I got to sleep with while I was working there <clears throat> and uh, one of the one of the places that that had a really high score um, which I won't mention the hospital but <clears throat> I, uh, I I met a nurse and she was married but it's it's so easy to tell when someone who's married is unhappy. And uh, especially if they've been married more than five years, you've got a really good chance of, of scoring something because by that time they've grown weary of their husband ignoring them and everything. And they're always... Uh, open to a little flattery and a little nice talk and a little gentleness and <clears throat> anyway this girl um, I met and then we, we started dating which is you know really weird because um, she was married and I mean we were just dating we weren't having sex we weren't doing anything we were just dating Actually, we were we were double dating with my uh, department supervisor and his girlfriend. And one day, and we'd been dating for I don't know a few weeks or something. I know it sounds stupid, but anyway, we were at my supervisor's girlfriend's house one day, and I don't know how it happened or how it came up, but she offered. Uh, us her bedroom if we wanted to partake of it and since we had never had sex before we jumped at the chance and the only reason I bring this up is because you know when I was younger and I you know you you hear your friends talking about you know women and sex and everything and they always said how you know a woman's pussy smelled like fish smelled really bad and uh, all that kind of garbage well 
I can't remember if I said this already, but I, I've gone down on every single woman I've ever been with. And I've never discovered a really smelly pussy until this day. This day, when I worked my way down there, I was just like seriously getting hit, hit in the face with a dead fish. I, I, I pulled back and I thought, oh my... So this was the very first time I had ever experienced that fishy odor or fishy... It was worse than an odor. It was just god-awful, okay? And I pulled back and I thought, I can't do this. And then I, I, I got to thinking about it. And this is happening within just like a second... I realized that, you know, this woman is married, has been married for over five years, and if her pussy smells this bad, she probably doesn't get oral sex very often, if at all. And I fucking thought, I'm going to do it just to prove to her how good sex can be. I dove right back in and I kept it up until she came over and over and over again. And that was pretty much the only time we ever had sex. Don't know why. I just stopped seeing her after that. But, uh, regardless, there have been times when that hospital was was a, a really a really good place uh, for me anyway. I had uh, there was another nurse, an ER nurse, that uh, asked me out to well she asked me to escort her to a, uh, a party that was uh, being given by the hospital and. Uh, she was a, a, a nice girl, and I was I was surprised, and I, I said yes, absolutely. And uh, you know, we went out and had a had a good time at the party. And uh, I thought, well, this 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 could be a uh, a potential score, really, because she was not only nice looking, she was also quite rich. And uh, to just, you know, give you a hint as to how, how rich she was, one day on the way to work, her car broke down. And she uh, walked down the street from where her car broke down to a car dealership and bought a new car and put it on her credit card. Just, she was in and out in like 15 minutes. Um, she had just uh, finished building this new house up in the hills, uh, and I, I got to visit the house. It was a great big four-bedroom house, and uh, it was really nice. Had a great view of the valley below. So anyway, um, what what happened was we went out that night, and I, I drove to her house, picked her up, went to the party, drove her home, and that was it, you know. And I, then I went home. And 
the next evening, I drove back up to her house without calling her to check to see if I could stop by. And, you know, this th- th- that's really, really not a cool thing to do, is just drop in on somebody that you had a very short date with. But anyway, I took a shot, I took a chance, and I went up to her house, I knocked on the door, she answered the door, and I said, hi, you know, I'm sorry to bother you, but I, I just wanted to see if you were as beautiful today as you were last night. And I said, and I could see that you are. So, thank you again for last night. Sorry to bother you. And I turned around and started walking away. Now, again, this was a long shot. You know, I mean, I could have been... I could have gotten in real trouble for uh, stopping by like that unannounced uh, with a person I, you know, knew but certainly had no real, you know, contact with anything except for that one date. So I took a big shot. It was like a 45-minute drive almost from my place to her place. And all I was just go up and say, you know, just wanted to see if you were as beautiful as you were last night or whether I just imagined that. And I was, you know, I was serious, but it was obviously a, you know, a come on. And I turned around and I I said goodnight and I turned around and I started walking away and she said, well, wait a minute, you you drove all this way up here, you know, at least come in and, and we can talk or something. And I said, oh, okay, cool. And anyway... That started a uh, relationship that lasted for for a while, anyway. But uh, that 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 relationship ended in such a such a peculiar fashion. I I still don't know exactly how that happened. But we had been actually. I moved in with her for after after a while. And we were we were sharing this huge fucking house, and uh, this is just this is just the kind of person she was. We went out one day, and we stopped at a at a bar a biker bar for a beer. I don't know how we managed to pick that particular biker bar or why we went into a biker bar. But it didn't matter because we were just hanging out, you know. So she and I were sitting at a table, having a beer, just talking. And this uh, other guy and his girlfriend, I guess, came in. Didn't know them from Adam, never saw them before. And he came over to our table and he asked me if I wanted to shoot a game of pool. And I said, uh, no, you know, I'm sitting here talking to my girl and, you know, we're just chilling. And he was rather insistent. 
you know, he says, well, let's just play for beer. And I go, dude, I don't want to play pool. And he leaned on our table and got right in my face. And I was on my way up out of my seat when when my, my girlfriend put her hand on my arm and said, just play a game of pool with the guy. You know, just get it over with. And I said, okay, fine, fuck. Well, you know, he had to at least put the money in to play the game. So <clears throat> I racked up the balls and I let him break. And I had not played pool in at least 12 years, I don't know, something like that. I liked pool, but I hadn't played it in a long time. He broke and missed. He didn't, he didn't sink anything. So it was my, my turn. And I, I started shooting, and I sank ball after ball after ball. And finally, the guys got tired of waiting for his turn, so he told his girlfriend to stay there and watch me to make sure I didn't cheat or anything. And he went over to the bar to talk to some other people. <clears throat> and I fucking cleared the table. Really? Yeah, he never had another chance to shoot. In fact, he never even fucking came back. I cleared the table, I put my cue up, I walked over to his girlfriend, and I said, tell your friend thanks, but we're leaving, I don't want another beer. And, you know, several times she, she even said, you know, commented, wow, that's a good shot, you know, good shot. And uh, I, I amazed myself. So anyway, my girlfriend and I left. The next day she was working, and I was, I was at her house, and there was a knock on the front door, and there's two guys standing there, and they go, is this such and such address? And I go, yeah. And he says, well, we have a pool table delivery. And I go, what? She had gone out and fucking ordered me a goddamn pool table. What the hell? Brand new fucking pool table just because she saw me playing pool the day before and thought that I was just like really in the pool. And I had to call her up and double check to make sure that these guys weren't just, you know, trying to get into the house or something. And sure enough, they had a fucking pool table in the, in the truck and they brought it in. They set it up and an hour later I was playing pool. But that that's just the kind of person she was and she had a lot of money. But, uh, <clears throat> again... Strange, strange breakup. I don't even remember uh, getting into anything really, really personal with this girl. Um, but she came home from work one day crying. And I said, what is the matter? And she said, I took some tests today. And... I'm not weird enough for you. <laughs> okay. Swear to God. And I go, how weird do you have to be? What the hell are you talking about? And she said that, you know, I don't know, she was just crying. She was actually blubbering. And, I, and she said she took these fucking tests at work and found out that Maybe I was too weird for her. I don't know. I couldn't quite understand the, the, you know, what the hell she was talking about. But anyhow, 
She was just afraid that she wasn't weird enough to be with me. And I didn't think that I had shown her too much of a weird side. I mean, I I showed her that I liked sex a lot, and we did it in all kinds of places all over the house. But that shouldn't have been anything that would freak her out. No. Well, it's not like she never had sex before. So anyway, <clears throat> that relationship ended shortly after that. And uh, I went on to other relationships. Now, <clears throat> during this time, what were you doing professionally? Oh, it, it, I was still a respiratory therapist in those days. Okay. But I was out of Orange County. I was working at another hospital. And uh, uh, I was still a respiratory therapist, though. And I... Uh, I seem to uh, ER and uh, ICU nurses seem to be the uh, top attractors <laughs> in those days. But uh, at any rate, uh, so why do you think it was ER and ICU above? The other well, I spent most of my time in ER and ICU, so it was easy for me to uh, uh, become friendly with those nurses because I, I, you know, as a respiratory therapist, I was in ICU most of my shift, and uh, ER many other times. Although at this hospital. ER and our offices were right next to each other, so we had a. It was much easier to be in contact with the ER nurses because we were so close together. Uh, Shifting, uh, one of the things, you know, just talking, and I know this is kind of off subject. That's okay. Is. Um, being going from a respiratory therapist to a monitor technician is actually considered going a step back. Well, I, I <clears throat> last time I was a respiratory therapist was in probably '82. Then when did you become a monitor tech? Something around '96. Oh, okay. So there was a big gap. There was a, you know, a 12 or 13 year gap or something between the time I left the hospital and the time I came back into the hospital. So, so, so my question is, is why did you not decide to go back to respiratory? respiratory? Yeah. Because I had been away so long I would have to go back. I would have had to have gone back to school to become certified. And uh, I didn't want to spend two years in school. I couldn't afford it anyway. And I didn't want to really go back to respiratory therapy. Again, I figured I had done that, been there, done that kind of thing. And I wanted to uh, take on a new aspect of the medical field. And, uh, I was still working in ICU, basically, and ER. Um, 
but it was a different kind of uh, approach. So I had a good time with that. I liked it a lot. For the most part. Work itself. Anyway. Just and, and I don't want to go into like a dark place, but you just have to get used to seeing people die all the time. I think that was my biggest obstacle to overcome. Well, yeah, I, that, that was... <clears throat> when I was a respiratory therapist, most of the people who died were my patients. And they were generally people that I knew pretty well because they had come, they had been coming into the hospital for years to get their treatments and everything, and they basically just deteriorated year after year after year until they died. And so I, I got tired of that. Um, yes, a lot of people died in ICU when I was a monitor tech, <clears throat> but they weren't. You didn't have that personal connection? Yeah, they weren't friends. I mean, these, you know, a lot of the patients as a, respir- as a respiratory therapist, they were almost friends because you saw them just about every day, giving them treatments and, and sometimes two and three times a day. And we had one guy, my first host, first hospital I ever worked in had an iron lung. Oh, shit. In, in the apartment. Yeah, an iron lung. And we had one guy that was so, his lungs were so shot that he would come into the hospital every night and sleep in the iron lung with, with, uh, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a MA1 or what, but it, anyway, attached to a ventilator. Yes. So the iron lung was actually, the, the iron lung causes your lungs to expand and deflate. So you don't have to use up your muscle energy to take a breath. But this guy was so bad, he was still hooked up to a respirator on the outside to uh, force feed him oxygen and everything and fill up his lungs. So he did that for months so he could walk his daughter down the aisle when she got married. And... uh he was basically trying to build up his lung strength again just enough so he could walk 25 feet down the aisle and give his daughter away at her wedding. And he did that, and he died a week later. Wow. So, again, you know, we had... <clears throat> patients became basically friends because you saw them just about every day. Right. And we had patients that came in, stayed in the hospital for a week or two, and, and given treatments three or four times a day, and then they'd go home, and they'd come back a little bit worse, and we'd do the same thing for them again and again and again. And, uh, you know, I even, I even attended autopsies of patients that I knew, you know, who, who had died and everything. And uh, the first year, that was interesting. Right. Because I was learning so much as I went along, but after 12 years, that just got old. So that's why I quit respiratory and I didn't go back. I kind of follow you because I was, uh, to me, I I think I made a mistake. One of the patients, he was fairly young. He was actually younger than I was at the time. He passed away. I don't remember exactly what the cause was, but 
he was an an organ donor. So the the vultures came and and they were going to take what they needed and and I decided I was going to go along and check it out, you know, watch them. So I walked down the surgery with them. And and the guy is still alive <clears throat> when they're taking these organs, right? Technically. Right. Um, he was legally brain dead, but... Right, but he was still breathing. Right. Well, through the ventilator. Through the ventilator, right. Yeah. And what they did was just... I guess I'm just thinking about it. It was just horrific. They just... They butchered it. Yes. I know. I was trying to think of a nice way to put it, but yeah. Well, that's, that's about as nice as you can get. Um, I've seen them do that, except they did it in ICU. There, where we used to work? No, this was at Victor Valley. Oh. Victor Valley is a... Oops, never mind. I... <laughs> anyway, yes, it was an ICU where I worked. And, uh, yeah, the patient was an organ donor. It was a young patient. Uh, they were declared legally dead. And the uh, team rushed over with their little igloo coolers and uh-huh. everything. They scrubbed up, and they just went in there, and they just hacked that person apart. Ripped out everything that was still viable. And uh, then turned everything off when they were finished. I think one of the most disturbing things that I saw is they literally, they were taking the bones. And they replaced the bone with the PVC pipe. Yeah. It's not like he's going to get up and walk away. Well, no, no, I know. But for me, even if somebody's dead, it doesn't really depend on, or it doesn't matter what, you know, what belief you have. It's just the, the natural thought of respect of this is a person, regardless if they're breathing or not, that is still a person. Well, that's why I, uh, I turned away from, uh, mortuary science when I was in college because I spent a you know a night at uh, a large funeral home and watched the guys do some uh, embalming and it was just so totally impersonal and well pretty much barbaric to think that they would do the, that kind of shit to bodies and even though they're dead, they're bodies, but they're still loved ones of somebody. Right. And I'm absolutely sure that if people knew what was done to their loved ones at the funeral home, they would uh, certainly not have open coffins and would probably not even have memorial services with the casket there. And they would just go with cremation, which is so much cleaner and simpler. But that's that's the what we did for my dad, and, and I told Lacey, you know, you don't even have to get me a spot. Just you know, yeah. Well, I had my father cremated when he died, and uh, I'm going to be cremated when I die, and uh, it's just. Uh, Easy, quick, cheap, and done. Well, on that happy note, um, 
You want to give us an update on your ebook status? Oh, there you go. That was something else I wanted to talk about. Yes, uh, this is uh, Thursday, I suppose. Uh, hopefully, sometime next week, my first series of stories will be available as an e publication. And uh, hopefully, after that, there will be other stories coming out every other week or so. Oh, you're going to be ambitious. Well, I don't, you know, I figure as long as I waited this long to allow the the e-publishing to take hold, I might as well make the most of it. Okay. So, yeah, I would like to, you know, every couple of weeks or so, put out two or three more stories as an, e, as an e-publication or whatever you call it, and uh, get more people out there reading my work, because it's been a while since I've had... Uh, since I left the magazine business. So, yeah. Hopefully next week. And I'll update you next week on that as well. Right on. So, for tonight, I guess, we're going to wrap it up because it's really late here and we're tired. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, thanks for listening to everybody again. Uh, give me a shout-out at Terry Shearer. No, I'm sorry, Sheer Darkness at jasonmond.com yes emails and we'll talk to you next week good night everyone I'll let Dave sign us out alright kids that's it for this week so for Terry D. Sure, I am David K. Montoya and I bid you all a good night see what I mean kids good stories good storytelling and, you know, it's, it's so crazy. You know, some of the stuff that he, he was telling me, you know, when we were recording Sheer Darkness, I was like, how is this not fiction? You know, how has it actually happened? Some of it is just so outrageous and so crazy. And he was just so brutally honest and blunt about things. And it was just, to me, I thought it was a great show. Um, you know, and it, all good things must come to an end. I understand that. And unfortunately, Sheer Darkness did come to an end. But that's when we have this show. We have this show to pull it up and we get a chance to listen and reflect back on all the craziness and all the fun that Sheer Darkness and Terry D. Sheer and myself had over the, the course of, I think it was maybe six months, six, seven months, if not more. Okay, we've got one more podcast to go, kids. Uh, we've already knocked down two, and now we've got one left. And then after that, I'm going to go ahead and send you on home until next week, and then we'll come back and do it all over again. All right, so let's go ahead and just shift this bad boy around. You know, during the playback of this, and, and I do do a little bit of playback just to make sure that the sound quality is good, I am so surprised just how loud this shuffling of papers is because, you know, it, to me here in real life and real time, it, it doesn't seem that loud, but it's really picking up on the mic. Okay, we're, I think we're done shuffling around. Let me just give it a good couple tosses here. And the third episode is, well, third podcast. Let's see. Oops, I dropped it. Sorry, kids. Let's see, what is this? It is... The Movie Madhouse Special Number 3. Let's find out what that is. 
All right, released September 10th, 2013. It says Mike, Rob, and Jason are back with another special. This time the boys discuss cult movies and sometimes guilty pleasure movies. And then a little side note, it says due to a scheduling issue, there is no box office wrap-up this week, but we'll, but they will be returned, you know, the following week. That's just a side note. It's already passed. All right, kids. So this is your third podcast for today. It is the movie Madhouse cult movie special. So go ahead and enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another special episode of the movie Madhouse, the cult classic edition. I'm Jason. I'm Rob. I'm Mike. Well, guys, cult classics. There's yes. so many to choose from. Uh, I said, they, uh, what makes a good cult classic movie, in your opinion? Um, I say, not of the highest quality, generally. Now, or is, at least offbeat. Okay. Now, are you talking quality as in equipment that actually filmed the movie, or quality as in the acting or the technical? aspect because more more on the uh, the actings the the dialogue that type of thing okay cuz i've seen some decent flicks that are uh, <laughs> i've seen some some decent cult movies that look good but when you're watching you're going what the hell were they thinking <laughs> <laughs> yes one of them jumps into mind right off the bat filmed right here in chatham kent silent but deadly yes <laughs> I, I don't know if it's can, it can be considered a cult classic yet because hardly anybody's seen it. It's a cult. <laughs> it, well, yeah, it, 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 you would definitely have to be in a cult to see that. I say, <laughs> I say it's a cult class, a cult classic in the making. But right now, the cult only has basically one because I love it. <laughs> oh no, I think it's got about four or five. Cause oh, okay. I lent it to Nick, and Nick loved it. Okay, so right. I still haven't seen it. Nobody's. Well, I'm turning off his mic. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you say you're a J fan. I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But hey, I, the fact that I'm one of the few people that has seen it, I freaked Jason Muse out. I saw him live and in person when I went to Chicago. And he came out and he, was, he came out for a smoke break. They were doing a VIP thing after the show. And he said, okay, we're going to be out in like 20 minutes. So just just hold on, we'll be back out. And as he's walking away, I said, "Jay, you rocked in Silent but Deadly, yo." And he's like, "Thanks." I, oh, you saw that? <laughs> <laughs> How can you do this? <laughs> uh oh, he found the buttons again. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never gonna get away from this thing, I think. Never. <laughs> All right, so uh, what's yours? One of my favorite cult classics is Heather's. Oh, yeah, that's a yes, good one. Yes, Winona Ryder, Christian yeah. Slater. Yes. Uh, yes. I. It's been so long. If I did see it, I'm not even sure if I saw the whole thing. I know it. I, I must have seen at least part of it because I know I liked what I did, what I can remember, but I don't remember a whole lot of it. Oh, yeah. It was one of Christian Slater's first movies, like yeah, that early was a movies. a long time ago. But, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I... I I do remember that. That was a fun. That was a <laughs> it was a movie. Mm-hmm. So one of my earliest favorites for Christian Slater, and I think it does have its own cult following. Is Pump Up the Volume? That was oh, a good yeah, one as well. Was the pirate Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Slater good. and Samantha Mathis. Yes. Yep. yep. 
Yeah, that was good. I like that one. They had a really nice cover of a Leonard Cohen song in there. Everybody knows. Yes, I actually, I actually bought the soundtrack because so I love a few of the songs on there. Well, yep. See, that's that's the thing. A, a good movie, like a good score on a on a movie, will take you back instantly. Like if you could, if you haven't seen the movie in almost like a decade, and you hear the first few bars of the favorite song out of that, and all of a sudden everything comes flooding back, and you go, oh, I need to watch that movie again. I know. When I hear the Leonard Cohen song, I want to watch Pump Up the Volume. Yeah. 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 One that I, I've never heard the song elsewhere, except I, I can't even remember. I did hear it in another movie. It was called Wave of Mutilation. I think it was by the Pixies. That's from uh, Pump Up it the was Volume. Pump Up the Volume, but I, I caught it in another movie. Oh, really? Years later, oh, and oh, there you go. it really it flashed me back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've watched Bump of the Volume a lot. I really liked it. And it had Seth Green. Really? Oh, way yeah. early role. <laughs> hmm. All right. Yep. So I got a, I don't, I've got a couple favorite, I guess, but the one, I may as well, Clerks. With Kevin Smith's first movie, instant cult classic, just because the way it was made and how it was presented mm-hmm. um it, it, it's an inspiration to just about anybody that wants to tr- get out there and try and create something is he just did it and he said it, it works on a lot of levels uh i also have to throw uh, breakfast club in there as well oh yes well yeah definitely and i of course i agree with clerks um even by today's standards there's not a lot out there like clerks no, it, they, it stands alone on the shelf. Not the sequels. The sequels can, can kind of sort of get lost in the comedy shuffle, but the original stands alone. Sequels? Well, there's only one. There's another one coming, and then you can kind of say like the the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and oh, it's all whole... in the Viewski universe. So okay, I kind of sort of okay, want to feel I that see. they're sequels. Serialized. Kind of serialized, not so much sequel. Yes. Well, okay. um, But there is the Clerks 2, so that is technically a sequel. It is a sequel, yes. But Mm -hmm. uh, to me, it doesn't have this quite the same feel. And he was a different person. It doesn't. You're absolutely right. But it has its own cult following. I know so many people who love Clerks 2, but they didn't like one. So kind of baffles me. Well, I I think it's because the, uh, the... I want to say crudeness of two well, that's was it. much higher than the first one. Well, no, not even the crudeness. It's the film. If you look at Clerks 2, it looks like a Hollywood film. You look yeah. at Clerks, it looks like an indie film. And yeah, he was a much better, he even says you know, he was a much well, better filmmaker when he did that. Yeah, there's an, he also got budget to do it, too. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's yeah. the, the big difference right But there. there's another cult classic that does the same thing, Blair Witch Project. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. That first movie is all handheld. The second one is all Hollywood. Yeah, I never saw the second one. I saw the first one, and for the most part, I was kind of bored. Well, the but, first one. But the ending, I admit, I got massive goosebumps at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's a one-shot ending. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. yeah. Try and watch I, that honestly, movie again. Kind of like the first Saw movie. I would not have the same, whoa, factor watching Saw 1 again. Now, watching Saw again. You can pick out a lot of stuff. Well, yeah. And, I, you know, if I were to ever actually get through the whole series, I'm sure you'll see little elements that reach back. Because I remember seeing in, like, the third one, you saw a diorama of the, mm-hmm. the room in the first one. In the second one, they go right back into the into that room. 
right. you see the corpse over in the corner, still chained. Well, didn't they go back to that room a couple times yep. in the series? I think in six they went back there again. Yeah, that's where that's where I remember going them, them going back I, to. I don't think I made it past four. Yeah, I've seen them all. <laughs> Here's some dedication. Right no. <laughs> uh, one of my best friends and I. That was our job every Halloween. We'd get together and go watch Saw. And it was really awesome because we took another friend of ours to see Saw 7. She's not a big horror fan. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> but that was actually a double bill that day. We saw Saw 7 and Paranormal Activity 2 back to back. Oh, nice. I've only yes. seen the first Paranormal Activity. I was intrigued by it, though. Yeah? I, I was absolutely intrigued by it. I think after you see the first one, uh, Paranormal Activity starts the parody itself i i after the first one it the first one was interesting after that i i remember sitting there watching it with my daughter taryn and just howling in laughter at uh the 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 scare stunts that they were trying to pull off in the rest of the uh the series yeah and four which is supposed to finish it off well in isn't my opinion that, doesn't isn't that the uh the uh bloody mary one isn't that where the is it three where they flash back to the uh, three is with them and his kids? Oh, okay. And okay. four is back and supposedly Hunter lives across the road and yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> now, okay, um, I, this is going to be a bit of a shock. I can pick a favorite cult classic film. Really? Yes, without a doubt, my absolute favorite cult classic film is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, I should have figured that. I yeah. have vague memories from back in the day. Um, I, I, I think they used to show trailers at the uh, Center Theater on a regular... I know they had the poster there. Yep. On a like, hung there forever. I wonder how that one didn't get stolen. <laughs> um, but, and then when... Um, the 25th anniversary VHS came out. I had it special ordered. I got that too. Um, <laughs> why, why I bought the comic book. They put out a comic book that were. Um, it went so far. I think it got up to the sweet transvestite scene. Okay. And the back of the book had like back like three four pages had an audience participation guide. Nice. Oh, I like that. That's good. Yeah, I just loved it. But I've never found a theater in close proximity to go and do the live experience. <laughs> That's a good one. You're right. It is a good one. <laughs> Actually, I was going to mention it for my next one. Real Genius is oh. considered a cult classic. Okay. Really? Yes. Nice. Val Kilmer early movie. Huh. I, I do find that a, a bit surprising because I never hear of anybody talking about it. Oh. But it is a great movie. I watched it a lot. It has got one day, of the best it's lines. It's a nerd type thing. It's got one of the best lines in all of movie. Val Kilmer walks up to the girl, says, if there's ever anything I can do for you or more directly to you, you just let me know. <laughs> he was so smooth in that yeah, movie. Yeah. Erratic, but smooth. Yeah, right. But, of course, her answer is, well, can you hammer a, a six-inch spike into two-by-four with your penis? He goes, no. And she goes, well, a woman's got to have standards. <laughs> <laughs> Some great dialogue. Yes. <laughs> well, okay. Um, now... For speaking of like the uh, the cult classics, um, can we just like lump everything that Quentin Tarantino has ever done into the cult classic, or is that a lot of mainstream stuff? I because, think his uh, first couple, I would say, like Reservoir Dogs, True Romance, Reservoir Dogs, uh, maybe even Pulp Fiction. 
I, yeah, I, I think almost fit into that, that. Really, I think it's it's arguable. Yeah, I like his. Uh, was it? Um, I still think that it, it, he's all everything that he did. Like he's not accepted by a lot of the mainstream stuff. So it's it's fantastic movie making. It like it's filmmaking par par excellence. But I just don't like. See a whole lot of mainstream people going out of the way to watch Quentin stuff. No, the last couple like Inglorious Bastards and uh, Django Unchained. That to me is mainstream, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, that's it's, where I've actually heard argument. Can you consider a, a, a filmmaker's past um, brilliances, if you will, after they've gotten any sort of Oscar no- no- notice? Can they still be considered a cult following? Like, absolutely. Like, Why not? Yeah, I, I, like, I read. I saw. I read that online, and I, I was kind of on the fence about I, I'm it. I'm just trying to figure out that argument. Okay, um, just because he had, he made a movie, or like no director in particular had made a, a, a very successful movie, and Oscar people decided to give it a good look. And that doesn't affect his past or yeah, future. I, I, I get that. Like I. Uh, he could make he, he could make a next his movie after the, he, he could have won a bushel basket full of Oscars, and his next movie becomes a quirky little thing that still kind of slides into the uh, the uh, uh, cult uh, bracket. I think. Well, let's take a look. Robin Williams, yeah, considered an Oscar winner. He's got a cult classic with toys. Definitely, uh, but I didn't like that See, movie. No, Alan no. Cool J's in it. I didn't like it. <laughs> But look at him. He's an Oscar nominee from way back. And boom. He has got a cult classic. And it's because it's not when the movie comes out. You never have a cult classic come out. No. No. A cult classic is built. It's, yeah. It's it's generally gets the cult status when it's uh, home video DVD release. Now, does a movie actually have to bomb in the theater to and then gets picked back up? On the uh, the video release to give it the generally yes, I would say yes because if it does have the success, the box office success, it's mainstream. It would be considered mainstream. There are a couple exceptions on this list that I'm looking at, but generally, I would have to agree with you. Like if you if you go on to uh, I think I looked at the uh, the Wikipedia page about um, that's the one I've got up list of yeah, cult films cult films yeah um, said so there were some of the ones on there and uh, I I agreed with a lot of that list and then some of that I was just went eh, eh well yeah know. but like I said before we started Anchorman I didn't really consider that to be a cult classic because to me it seems mainstream but it didn't have a big like when it first came out it didn't have a huge following as it went on that's when everybody started getting into the ron burgundy uh you love want, you want to have a definition of cult classic firefly yeah. oh yeah that that is def- <laughs> that's it right there yeah absolutely. nothing at the beginning it had, people no, following. it had no success in the beginning right and then boom that is the textbook yes yeah well, it was. I, I, it has to be um, grassroots driven. Uh, there, there has to be such a love for the project 
that people actually have to go out of their way to make sure people continue to know about this. And, like, um, Clerks, I don't think Clerks has ever been out of Vogue, or not Vogue, but uh, oh, what am I looking for? The uh, the mindset of indie film people. Because they look at it and they go, all right, Smith did all this. And if he can pull it off, I can pull it off. And he's made good money out of out of that cult status. And I say I I think oh, oh, I lost my point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just get waxing nostalgic yeah, and yeah. It, it floats away. <laughs> See, I know another classic cult movie. Hang on a second. Okay, that is the last time you are going to pull that crap. You hear me? Yes. Do you hear me? Yes. Wait for it. You are hold down that football until Charlie Brown kicks it. You got that? Go ahead, Charlie. Oh, come on. Just say it. And you know what else? I did some checking around. You're not a licensed therapist. Roadhouse. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> Holy crap. That was a long time. <laughs> Holy. That was supposed to be just a soundbite of Roadhouse. but Roadhouse. No. <laughs> just about enough to get a suit. I yep. thought, you, thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> oh, saw Roadhouse in the theater with my friend John. And uh, you know, they have that line all through there. I thought you'd be bigger. Yep. Uh, Get to the scene with Kelly Lynch in the room, and he's got her up against the wall. What does he yell out? <laughs> thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> oh, yes. that's great. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another cult because it did slow at the box office. Yeah. And now on video and DVD, it just... Oh, yeah. It's it's one I like to watch on a regular, you know, yeah, semi-regular that's, that's basis. A, that's the kind of thing. It, it struck a chord. It's a man's man's film. <laughs> exactly. Sam Elliott is Sam absolutely Elliott, awesome. Yeah. Garrett. Wade Garrett. Sorry, that's it. I still use that one line that he used when uh, uh, Sam Elliott and Patrick Swayze and uh, the girl. Kelly Lynch. Kelly Lynch. They're at the bar. And Sam's dancing with Kelly, and Patrick's yawning in the uh, in the booth. He goes, Sam Elliott goes, yeah, he's great out of the gates, but he ain't got no legs. <laughs> <laughs> he was awesome in that oh, role. He was so cool. <laughs> I can't look at Sam Elliott without seeing that movie. No. You know? But there was a legendary hardcore wrestler in there. Ah, Terry Funk. Terry Funk. Who was actually really good. He was very good in His that. role was awesome. Like, fuck. I hated him. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. a good thug. Yeah. Well, and then, okay, um, if you're going to talk Sam Elliott, you also have to talk about him as the narrator for The Big Lebowski. Yes. And the whole movie, The Big Lebowski, is yeah, a great whole, yeah. classic. <laughs> like, just, oh, I love that movie so much. The dude is just <laughs> uh, iconic, yeah. really. Well, you see, you, you know a character has struck a chord when people are dressing up like the character... Uh, for Halloween, or it's just a bathrobe. It's just a bathrobe, but it, if you don't and don't mess with his carpet. No, yeah, but <laughs> it, like I said, if you if you if you see the guy and, and the person's wearing the hair right and they got the sunglasses and they got the bathrobe on, it's automatically the dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you can't mistake it. Yeah, it's the dude. If like if you do any one of those three things separately, nothing. You put all three of them together, bam, 
the dude. The, the dude, dude. One of the coolest people ever on the silver screen. Yep. Well, now you started out asking what makes a cult film. Is it the the budget, the the film? You take a look at two things. Take a look at The Big Lebowski. Yeah. And then take a look at another cult classic, Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> See, yeah, that's a cult classic for entirely different reasons. Exactly. Yeah. That is the worst movie ever made. How did they, um, the description I heard, it goes, it's not one of those, it's so bad, it's good. It goes from, it's so bad, it's good, to this is absolutely ridiculous, they got away with this? <laughs> this is the only movie Bella Lugosi was in after his death. Yep. Yep. Really? Yes. Oh, I did hear that. Yes, I did hear All that. All that footage of him was just stock footage that Ed Wood had laying <laughs> around. Yeah, that that's definitely like if you if you're gonna go with the, the, the technical aspect, anything from the trauma. Yeah, like, well uh, trauma that's their wheelhouse is the cult classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Toxic Avenger series. Yeah, which killer, the original is great. Yeah, Killer Tomatoes. Yes. <laughs> killer Tomatoes. <laughs> That's kind of, that, that's the stuff I love to watch because it's such fun. Now, uh, another classic from that same era, Death Race 2000. Was that Troma? I know it's Corman, but was it Troma? I don't think it was Troma. I think it, it was it was Corman, but it, I don't think it was Troma. No, I don't think it was Troma either. Because uh, Death Race 2000 is another one of my favorites. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's just something about seeing that young Stallone as Machine Gun Joe. <laughs> Now I'm curious. The old people getting lined up on the street. Oh. And instead of running them over, he hits all the nurses and doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look. Troma Entertainment. Oh, so good. So, such wow, Toxic Avenger is such an iconic character, too. I just actually had... I, I never watched it way back when. I was curious, and I finally broke down and tracked down a copy of it uh, about two years ago. Oh, my God. I could not believe what I've been missing. <laughs> no, it's great. It's... Ferocious female freedom fighters. I did not get to see that one. Oh, really? That 1982. Awesome. Ooh. Toxic Avenger. <gasps> Class of Newcomb High. Yes. Yes. Surf Nazis Must Die. Oh, God. I remember was... watching oh. that one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they Call Me Macho Woman. Toxic Avenger 2 and 3. That was in 1989. <laughs> Class of Newcomb High Part 2 was in 91. Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, 91. What? Toxic Crusaders. State of Mind was in 92. Oh, Space Zombie Bingo was in 93. (laughs) Did not see that one. Tromeo and Juliet. I saw that one. Teenage Cat Girls in Heat, 1997. Fag Hag was in 98. Viewer discretion advised was in 98. Thank you. And let me see here. Excuse me. We're working. (laughs) (laughs) Apocalypse soon. Hey, she's giving out candy. Shh. (laughs) That's why I stick around. (laughs) And let me see here. Quick shout out to the candy lady, Christina with a K. Yay. (laughs) Oh, in 2008, Poultry in Motion. They got a lot of weird movies. (laughs) <laughs> Poltergeist, the mo- Night of the Dead Chicken. Mm. Oh, sorry, Night of the Chicken Dead. Well, there Which reminds me, there's, um, and I believe it does have a cult following. It was a uh, New Zealand-made dark comedy. I've never been able to track it down, though. It was called Black Sheep. Oh, no. 
<laughs> I've actually seen that. You have? Oh, my God, yes. Black sheep. That does sound It's familiar. about mutant sheep that attack and kill everybody. Yes, I did see that, too. The cover has a sheep. Yes, with yes, yes, yes. A yes, hand yes. in its mouth. I remember hearing I about it, that. and then I have, I can't remember what I was watching, and there was a trailer for it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yep. It was awesome. Sure? <laughs> and I'm using awesome loosely. Are you sure? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> what else you got over there? <laughs> I'm afraid to say anything else now. Come on. Actually, it stops in 2009 with Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead. I do recall hearing something about them possibly having money troubles, but I'm <laughs> really? not sure. Well, they, they, they've always, they, they always go to Cannes, and they always do all the festivals. Um, they have their own. They have a, yeah. some sort of trauma fest or something, yep, I know. Yep. 2007, Blood, Boobs, and Beasts. How could I have not seen that? How, how could not know. that not get nominated for an Oscar? Just on the title alone. Well, I said they're definitely putting it out on Front Street, whatever they're talking, they're uh, shooting there. Mm-hmm. But trauma is a cult vision of all its own. Oh yes, Virgin Beasts, <laughs> Tales from the Crapper, two thousand and four. <laughs> Should be writing these down. Zombie Geddon, Wise Guys versus Zombies. Oh, there you go. Doggy Tales Volume 1, Lucky's First Sleepover. I don't even know how that got in there. (laughs) Something tells me the title of that one's very misleading. Mm. It's going to be like a Cujo having a sleepover. (laughs) Dumpster Baby. Oh, that sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. The Rowdy Girls. Touch Me in the Morning. Backroad Diner. All right, let's just stop <laughs> reading Wikipedia. <laughs> These people, okay. people are paying good money to listen to us. <laughs> I hope one day. <laughs> okay, back to our list. Do you know what's on here that surprised me? What? The Devil's Advocate. Wow. Oh. Okay. A great movie. Pacino was freaking awesome. And so was Charlize. Mm-hmm. Of course, she's good and everything. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. But... I have to say, because it didn't... I don't think it did very well at the box office. That might be it. But but, but I don't hear many people talking about it like now. Like I don't... I, I, I question its cult status, but... Last weekend, I went to a Devil's Advocate con. Yeah, you don't <laughs> <Yeah>. hear that. <laughs> no. Who are you supposed to be? I'm Charlize Theron. <laughs> <laughs> You're walking around in a suit. Who are you? I'm the devil. Yep. <laughs> yep. Cabin Boy's on here, though. Oh, really? Chris, I you? never actually watched that movie. I, you know, all the horrible hype like, oh. off of it. Bubba Hotep is on here. There yes. You know. Nice. Yeah, is that our first, the first uh, Bruce re- re- list, listing at this point? I've been bouncing around, so yes. it's yes. in a B. So. Yeah, Bruce Campbell, it, he's the king of B-cult movies. Mm-hmm. like. Evil Ash, Dead. of course, Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, you know, Army of Darkness. Is Army of Darkness on? And here? he knows yep. he knows his place. He relishes in on his throne to the point where he did a movie about himself. <laughs> yep. My name is Bruce. Yep. Yep. And it was a fun flick. <laughs> they actually have Big Trouble in Little China listed here too. Yeah, yeah. as well they should. Mm-hmm. Yes, what very about, much uh, so. Uh, okay, so, this is going to be twice in two shows. What about Buckaroo Banzai? Buckaroo Banzai? It's definitely a cult classic. It uh, has to be. It, it is, absolutely. It is not on here. Oh, that's uh, that, bullshit right there. Wait a minute. Are, on the Wikipedia list? It's under mm-hmm. Adventures of. 
Oh, wait, maybe you're right, yes. It is. Ah, I, I was the adventures of Buckaroo's Bonsai across the, the eighth dimension. Yes. Well, there you go. I was lucky going, I was about ready to go on a rampage. Oh, dear. <laughs> Couldn't yeah, handle it's, that. It, it's in there. Big Trouble in the China absolutely has to be on there. Akira's in here, too. Mm, yeah. Because it's the first uh, anime, if you will. It wasn't called anime then, but it's the Japan first animation. Anime. Yeah, Japanimation. That's the, it was the one that broad exposure of Japanimation to the Western culture. Yeah, it was definitely the springboard. Um, I, I liked it. It was it was different enough. Well, nobody's ever seen uh, Japanese animation up until that point. And when except Akira, the Japanese. Except the Japanese. But yeah, I need to rewatch it. Outside of Japan, jackass. <laughs> I need to rewatch it to see if I could get the love for it because I know I liked it, but I remember rewatching it back in the 90s and it was boring to me well that's the thing with the um, a lot of the japanese animation it is um visually heavy and they have to they fill a lot of the background in and they get some slow slow story build and then but once once you get the the gist of the story and we're we're boiling down to the the conflict of the movie. It takes off like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, but I just have visions from Akira of like a half hour of just listening to the main character yell Tetsuo. Oh, he doesn't do that all. I, the that's time. the vision I have. I know my memory's obviously way off, but I just picture hearing Tetsuo for a half hour. Did, sorry, I bumped my head. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I dropped a piece of chocolate, and I was oh trying my, to find it. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> Okay. Stop the show. You say uh, for two episodes in a row, yeah, the fat, the fat kid in me is offended. <laughs> How could you drop chocolate? <laughs> that should never have hit the ground. Nope. <laughs> Nine and a half weeks is on here. Yeah. Mickey Rourke, Kim Basinger. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. I, the first I, I softcore porn everybody's ever seen. I yep. don't want to comment because I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> I, I know the movie very very well. I'm Whoa. not shy. I kept Kleenex in business. Okay. <laughs> hey, it was the most action a lot of us could get just going to a movie store. Thank God for video. Oh, yeah. Greatest ha- invention ever. <laughs> I have a DVD at home. Ah, there you go. Actually, so do I. <laughs> Next movie. Come on. Enough of this talk. 12 Monkeys. Oh, fantastic movie! Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis. It, 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 I, I I liked it, but and I can usually follow weird movies, but it it kind of confused me near the end. I like I I lost track of it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't rewatched it. I've only watched it like once, maybe twice, back when it first came out. Okay. So I haven't rewatched it since. You really got to watch that bad boy real close because it it shifts gears on you in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Well, but that brings to mind another movie that I know is considered a cult classic, but I cannot stand it. Donnie Darko. What? (laughs) I hate that movie. (laughs) Wow. Why? We need to talk. Okay. To J- we have to my have an hate, intervention with, with Jason. My hate for this movie. He never tells us what he's feeling or what he's thinking. <laughs> my hate for that movie is one very small step above Uwe Bullflix. Okay. 
That's a serious dislike going on there. It came out on DVD and VHS, whatever. I was at the video store, and I wanted to see something new. And I, I asked two different clerks at the video store, what would you recommend? And they both immediately, like, without even missing a beat, said Donnie Darko. Were they female? No. Ooh. There goes my Jake Gyllenhaal idea. No, it wasn't the <laughs> Gyllenhaal factor. It, no, they, they quickly said, Donnie Darko. So I said, okay, like, sure. And they said, oh, it's like one of the greatest movies ever. And like, it, uh, it, and I did not understand it. To this day, I don't understand what I watched. He had buildup uh, yeah. problems there, yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't the buildup. I can understand somebody being behind a movie. I mean, I, I know. I like certain movies that nobody gets and whatever. That's fine. I did not get the movie. I don't know what I saw. I don't understand what happened. I don't understand what the hell the bunny was. Welcome to Donnie Darko. Yeah, that's the whole idea. <laughs> I, somebody tried to explain it that it's all about, like, uh, time travel and uh, astrophysics or whatever. And I'm sorry, I don't have a PhD. I don't want to have to think that hard at a movie. Why not? Donnie Darko is like the first big budget dream sequence. Yeah. I, that's that's uh, that's the best description I've heard of it so far. Yep, but I will say that director's ne- uh, uh, might have been his next flick. To my knowledge, is not considered a cult classic because it's just horrible. Southland Tales. Southland Tales. I might have talked about it in a previous episode. Okay, this movie had a huge lineup: Sean William Scott, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Sarah Michelle Geller, oh, Justin yes. Timberlake, Kevin Smith. I um, don't recall seeing this. It's a weird post, uh, not quite post-apocalyptic, but it's a futuristic kind of movie. And uh, it's got the weirdest casting ever. And I mean absolutely ever. John Lovitz. <laughs> as a hard-ass, dirty cop. Okay, you lost me. Mandy Moore, <laughs> Justin Timberlake, Miranda Richardson, Wallace Shawn. The only, the only good thing in that movie was Timberlake. John Larroquette. And he wasn't a big part of the movie, but he was the only good thing in it. Southland Tales, huh? Might yeah. have to check that out. See what a friend going. of mine rented that movie from Blockbuster, and you know it was after Blockbuster had the no late fee thing. They had it in their possession for almost a month. Never watched it. I was curious about it. The lineup had me curious. The, the idea of it sounded neat. So I, I, I said, can I, can I borrow it? Can I watch it? And I will return it the next day. And he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I borrowed it. The next day I watched it. I took it to Blockbuster. I did not pay for it. My friend did. And I demanded my money back. <laughs> so it's that director. I, can never, I can't remember his name. Richard Kelly. Okay, I don't know if he's done anything else since. The Box. I don't even know if I know that movie. Cameron Diaz? Nope. Oh, is that there? If they push the button, somebody in the world dies? I never saw it. Let me just double check. But, uh, but yeah, Cameron Diaz and uh, James Marsden. He to me it's like he's he's like another Shyamalan where he's trying to do the same thing and really mess with your head, but he doesn't do it in a good way. Yeah, that would definitely make for a bad movie if you're gonna if you're gonna try and psych everybody out actually have a good payoff i'm looking forward to completing your training 
<laughs> as long as it doesn't involve watching Donnie Darko or so playing Tails, I'm in. And uh, it looks like that's about it for him. Well, that's Probably not surprising. Thing. Not surprising at all. Oh, wait. No, there's a new one coming out. Armicus, uh, sorry, Amicus. Nope. But those are the three movies he's he's directed. Donnie oh. Darko, Southland Tales, and The Box. Uh, maybe him and Eric Bana go open up a <laughs> bed bath. Eric Bana. Uh, and he wrote Donnie Darko and Southland Tales and The Box. Wow. Okay. That's because nobody else will let him, <laughs> let him do their stuff, probably. I can't believe he didn't like Donnie Darko. I, he can be his own visionary. I, I, that's fine. But I just don't get it. I don't. Be a visionary, but try and make a movie that's uh, going to be somewhat acceptable to okay. watch. Southland like. Tales actually had two good things going for it because I will say, visually, it was a very visual type movie. There was a lot of neat stuff going on effects wise and the look of it, but it wasn't enough. Hmm. Not nearly enough. Well, how about Earth Girls Are Easy? Oh, yeah. That there you is go. a classic, fun yeah. 80s comedy. It was 80s yep. or was it early 90s? No, no, that was 80s because that's someone's first big role. Jim Carrey. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Jim yeah. Carrey and Damon Wayans before they worked together on In Living Color. And Jeff Goldblum and <laughs> Gina Davis. Yeah, but they were both established prior to that, weren't they? Jeff Goldblum was, yes. Gina yeah. Davis was just coming up. Okay. Yeah, what year was this? 1988. Wow. American musical comedy. Musical? Oh, there was music all through it. <laughs> That's right. But the, I, I don't remember. I didn't realize they were going to slap musical title on I just remember <laughs> going to the bar and Jim Carrey flipping out his tongue and the chick across the bar going, I'm going home with him. <laughs> yes. Okay. His tongue right. went all the way to the bottom of the glass. Yep. Yeah, they were furry until they were shaved down. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they look like uh, they look like the Grinch. Basically, yeah. Jim Carrey as the Grinch, yeah. orig- except he was blue. Yeah, he was blue. Yeah. Smurf Grinch. That could be it. Ooh, yeah. Smurf and Grinch have Ooh. babies, and that's what you get. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. There's a Sounds fan, like a new there's franchise. A coming. <laughs> <laughs> now, I guess this just goes to show that cult movies aren't strictly just movies, because there's one of here, Faces of Death. Wow. Yeah. Yes. My dad always talked about that when I was a kid. I remember watching that. I remember yep. work, I, work, I worked in a video uh, shop when I was uh, living in Edmonton, and on midnights, pushing 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, there's nobody else alive at that point in time out in Edmonton. So I would, I popped that one on just for sure, curiosity's sake, and yeah. That was like real footage of people dying, supposedly, right? Yeah, but now we have the internet to take care of all that. Exactly. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, actually, I guess it was originally released in 78. Really? Yeah, yeah, I remember my dad okay. talking about it when I was young, so that might have been early 80s. So Wow. I know there was a couple iterations of that as well. Yeah. Well, they even say in here, too, that some of, several of the human death scenes are obvious fakes. Yeah. You know. But I don't know if I ever actually watched it. You ain't missing much. Oh, no. I wouldn't expect yeah. to. No, it's, it's a, a lot of it is, like, really shitty footage, and it's just like, did something happen, or I don't yeah. know. It's... It, it, it's there's too much uh, ambiguity, I guess, in a lot of the scenes. Yeah, I'm remembering watching that now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, because, well, that was kind of like a rite of passage back when we were kids, because that that was the thing that was the the taboo movie to watch. 
Yep. Uh, unless you can get your hands on porn as well, but that was it was something totally different. And that and I remember um going through my school. They said, "Have you seen this have you seen Faces of Death?" And that was the thing. That was It was a cultural status. Yeah, yeah. If you saw that, you were on top of the heap for a little bit. Yep. See, I don't remember having that in, in any of the like in, when I was in school, I don't remember ever hearing about it from there. Yeah. How about Frankenhooker? <laughs> have you seen that? No. I have. Oh, you lucky. I man. remember that. But uh, basically about a guy, his fiance gets chopped up in a freak lawnmower accident. But he's, <laughs> he picks a lawnmower. Yeah. Well, he's an aspiring mad scientist. Oh, okay. So he decides to put her back together. <laughs> as you're apt to do as a mad scientist. Yes. Was this a Tim Burton film? No. <laughs> uh, directed by Frank uh, Hennenlotter. Oh, yes, of course, Frank Hennenlotter. Uh, oh. A terrifying tale of sluts and bolts. <laughs> nice tagline. <laughs> That's a great tagline. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, now, I, I, I'm betting uh, uh, there's a few Tim Burton movies that would probably fit the cult classic bill. But the, I know the first one that would definitely jumps into that lineup is Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It is yeah. on there. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely on that list. Yep. My bike. <laughs> I still like the here. one scene. I don't know if they did it on purpose, but when Pee Wee's taking the uh, the chain out of the saddlebag to chain up his uh, his bike, you can actually see the bottom of the saddlebag on his bike, the hole that they cut in, and the yes. chain was feeding through as he's pulling. I, I the remember. Chain I remember seeing that when I first watched the film. I remember noticing that bit. Yep. So I, it has to be that they left it in, in there on purpose. Oh yeah, they had to. I know some movies do that. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, just because yeah. it's yeah. fun. Well, okay. Um, I want to throw. I don't know if this one's on the list or not, but uh, I'm going to say it. Snakes on a plane. Oh, let's check that out. I refuse to watch it, dude. It's so funny. It's Sam Jackson yelling at snakes and shooting stuff on a plane. It is uh, not on here. What? Uh, that, that that makes me yeah. feel vindicated. <laughs> that feels that makes me feel pain in my feelings. I hate this <laughs> list movies on this list. There we go. We got the explicit you tag, and swear, after what dude. we played on the last well, show, yeah. <laughs> no, but actually, I I did see the cheaper Mexican knockoff of Snakes on a Plane. Yes, and it was fantastic. Really? Yes. Was this, that Snakes this, on a Train? Yes, it was. See, that they tried, um, I can't remember how, that, there was big legalities. They tried to say that Snakes on the Train was the original story and that oh, the people okay. who made Snakes on a Plane stole their idea. And there was a big court battle over it. Snakes on a Plane almost did not get released. They, they both stole it from me. My script was Snakes on a Moped, and they stole it from me. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> no. If um, I'll save everybody the uh, the pain of watching this, and did you see it? No, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I took it to work, and I was we were watching it, and <laughs> you do a lot at work, don't you? <laughs> don't judge me, monkey. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> that I, we're bringing that one up. Oh, absolutely. We're bringing that, I got to bring that one up. Oh, yeah. So the. Um, I'm sitting there after, after, okay, the whole concept is this guy is trying to get his girlfriend from Mexico to California to go visit his witch doctor uncle because his girlfriend had a curse put on her. Uh, on 
a semi-frequent basis, she pukes up a snake that this guy keeps in, puts in a jar. Come to find out, all of these snakes is part of the curse, and it's part of her soul. That's what she's puking up. It's mm-hmm. just, oh, and... Because that sounds so much like snakes on a plane. Oh, absolutely. And it just keeps going on and on. It's all these interactions of people on this train. And it gets to the climax of the movie. And somehow, some way, there's a big, giant snake in the sky that eats the train. And I like, I'm just, after the credits roll, I was dumbfounded. Impressive. And... I want my money back. Most <laughs> impressive. <laughs> so the guys that were watching it with me, he said, I, I, I put the lid down on my portable DVD player, and I just kind of sat there quiet for a minute, and I looked around, and I go, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I said, I know I didn't have anything to do with this, and but the only thing I did, I said, I brought this in. I apologize for subjecting you guys <laughs> You have failed me for the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I don't lose track now. You referenced a movie a second ago. That is a, to me, it is a cult classic. I did not discover it. I, I, not to discover it. I never actually watched it until like three years ago. I use Even though that, it came out years ago before that. I use that reference all the time. I Grandma's love, Boy. I love that movie. I have not seen that. Oh, it's oh so you fantastic. absolutely have to. It is so funny. It's an Adam Sandler movie without Adam Sandler it's in a, it. It's a stoner movie to end all stoner movies. It's And it's all Adam Sandler's friends that you always see popping up in all his movies. Yep. It's all of them. But Adam's not in it. Okay. I can and watch it. And I'm telling you, it is... So funny <laughs> and just it's Nick Swardson. <laughs> it's quite possibly his best role ever. And I liked him in Bucky Larson, but yeah, but oh, <laughs> the whole dance dance revolution thing. Yeah. Oh, it's they're video game testers. Okay. So and they <laughs> the main character, he likes his pot. Oh, that's an understatement. <laughs> he gets kicked out of his apartment, so he goes to live with his grandma for a little while. Her and her two roommates. Uh, one of her roommates, she's the angry one. Was uh, what TV show is she from, Mike? Because I can never remember oh. the one that Jeff ends up with. Shit, Mrs. Partridge. Yes, is it Partridge Family? I think it's Partridge Family. Well, he so he's there. Well, one of the best scenes. And it's all, it's a long scene. Oh, I, I know exactly what you're talking the, about. Coming here. back from him and his, his uh, teammates, like workmates, they're celebrating that they finished this game. So they come back to his place. Just, they just want to use the bathroom. Well, they walk in and there's their, their grandma and her two roommates laughing their asses off hysterically at Mexican television. Oh, no. And the grandma says, well, we, we had our nightly tea. Oh, I found this tea in Sophie's old tin, in it, which is the room he's staying in. Well, that was his pot stash. So they were friggin' wasted. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Just that that whole scene. But the whole movie, top to bottom, his drug dealer is fucked in the head. I have been told (laughs) that is a movie to see. That is so funny. Well, okay. Um, (laughs) Okay, with that one... uh, you got to you got to go with Animal House as well. Oh yeah, Animal House uh, that has to be on the list. 
Animal House. Na- look under National Lampoon. Nash- yeah, National Lampoon's Animal House. Yeah, just checking the A's first. Yeah, it's not there. Yeah. And then another one I would have to put under that category would no. be uh, Dazed and Confused. Yes. Richard Linklater's yes. Dazed and Confused is here. Yeah, that's fantastic. I can, I can watch that any day of the week and still be I, happy. I have watched it. it I don't know how many times. Oh, yeah. One of my favorites is on here. Fido. Fido. I I'd heard about it. I'd never seen it until about a year ago, and it was a great. Bill Conley's great. in it as a zombie. He's he's Fido. <laughs> it's oh, really? it's like it's a it's, 1950s world, but it's a zombie apocalypse. Zombies are everywhere. So this one company has made a collar that you can put on zombies, so you can train them. Okay. Okay. It'll, it re- keeps them from eating you. Oh, okay. Yeah, it takes away their, their hunger frenzy or whatever. Yeah, so at some point, some of the collars come off and people get attacked and you get that zombie thing. It happens every once in a while that one of the collars goes on the fritz. And, and oh, there goes Mrs. Wilson. She's gone. <laughs> but Fido is very, very cool for All a zombie right. movie. All right, well, the um, other one. Who's the who's the mother in that? Um, oh, uh, Matrix. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss. Yes. Carrie Ann Moss. Yep. She plays the mom. Okay. (laughs) Oh, okay. Never mind. I don't want to spoil, but you should see it. It, It's a great movie. Another good one, I don't think it's on here, is Ah Zombies. I did see that one. That was funny. I I have not watched it yet. I found it because it's also known under another title called Wasting Away. Really? Like the ones in the American title and the other ones, uh, I think, uh, I don't know if it's Canadian or a European cut or something. It's got two different titles. I found it in a cheap bin at Walmart over in the States last year, but I have not brought myself to watch it. Oh, fun movie. Oh, I was time. curious about it, though, just yeah. listening to the concept. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's from the zombie point of view. Yeah. As they're as they're turning, right? Turning, turning and working through. So, and actually... It interstitches, um, like, uh, sometimes it steps out of the zombie POV into the... Uh, and doesn't it change the colors? Like, yeah. it actually goes in color when they do that? Yeah. 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 So that seems like a pretty neat concept. Yeah. It, it's got to be one of the most original zombie movies uh, out there. Yep. Oh, darn it. But... There's a really good movie on here, but we can't talk about it. Why not? First rule, man, we don't talk about it. Oh, <laughs> of course that one's on the list. Second rule, you don't talk about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fight Club. That's right. Don't yeah. talk about it. <laughs> I'm not talking about Fight Club. I just said the word. Okay. Fight Space well, Club. Yeah, yes. That's definitely got the status. I mean, I, I believe there is a brand of soap out there called Fight Club now. Like, I believe you can actually find that. That would not surprise no, me. I'm just surprised it took this long to come out there. So, Well, unless somebody was fighting for the rights to uh, that <laughs> could be it. Get it so. But again, that's another one with the big twist reveal at the end. Is Can you watch it again? Spoilers. In my opinion, not one I can watch again. Oh, I watched that over and over and over. Yeah. I, I actually I, listened to the audio book, too. That was awesome. Yeah, I read the book. Uh, read, I read a lot of the, uh, See, his, his books. I didn't even have to hold the book. <laughs> read to me. It's too lazy to <laughs> hold a book. <laughs> I still like the uh, divvying up the uh, the support group uh, the scenes. Yes. <laughs> you take lung cancer and I got pancreas. <laughs> No, that was a great movie. Yeah. And I love the subliminal stuff in it. 
Yes. You don't catch it the first time. No. You know? And uh, that, I think, is so awesome. Now, there is another one on here that has never been mentioned on this show so far, which I can't believe, Highlander. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. That can be only I can't, one. Yeah, you can't be the geek, the geeks that we are and never mention it. Though. Wow. Yes. Not only an awesome movie, fabulous Freebirds on the big screen. Absolutely. Yes, they're in the beginning. That's right. Wow. And you know what? I'm Queen is my all-time favorite band. I can listen to all their stuff all the time, and they did the soundtrack. A whole movie of Queen music. It's yes. awesome. It was, it, they actually got the inspiration to write Who Wants to Live Forever after watching a preview screening, mm-hmm. a rough cut. That is, an, and their their classic hit from their uh, Princes of the Universe. Yep. Became the theme song for the TV show. Yep. Which I'd never really gotten into the TV show too much. Neither did I, because I'm a diehard movie person, and after the first movie, there technically can't be anything else. Right, I know. That's why, <laughs> depending on which version of 2 you watch, they really destroy it. No, no, no. 2. It doesn't matter what version. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, for me, it does matter which version, because when they turned them into aliens, it ruined it for me. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I so. always like the fact that Sean Connery can come back from the dead. Oh. <laughs> that is sweet. <laughs> and then three, well, yeah. I think four, the only redeeming factor in that is a fact another wrestler's in it, Edge. Adam Copeland, yep. yep. And uh, the end of that one. There was a fourth? Oh, yeah. It was Highlander Ed Game. Endgame. It was the bridge between the the movie series and the TV show. <sighs> and the part with Edge, it's a duel back in whatever era. And he cuts, I don't know if he cuts his hand off or knocks out his sword. And he looks at him and says, looks like you've lost your edge, boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop. But I but take them separately. I the take original them. is... It's classic. Yes. Clancy Brown, That's to me, that's one of his most iconic Kurgan. roles. And he's been in a lot. Yeah, Clancy Brown has been in a lot of movies. Yeah, I have to suspend a little bit of disbelief to have Sean Connery as an Egyptian. But other than that... A, Egyptian. a little bit? <laughs> Egyptian? Yes. He's, he's a Egyptian. Spaniard. He's Egyptian. I always he, he's called I, the Spaniard. He's a Spaniard with a with a friggin' Scottish accent. Yes, <laughs> that came from Egypt. You listen to his history. He's from Egypt. I did not catch that part. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Yes. I got to rewatch that movie. And he was the captain of a nuclear sub too. I know. That's yes, crazy. and defected yeah. with his son to Germany. And then he went down to the jungles of South America and found the cure for cancer. I know the guy's wow. been busy. What a life. Uh, Oh, Lost Boys is on here. Oh, ah, which it should. Yes. Which it should. Kiefer Sutherland, one of his better roles. Well, Almost. Yeah, we we gave Lost Boys some pretty good love last show. Yes. So. Yeah. Mad Max. Yes. Yes. And that, that was a... Uh, see, I always... Okay, which one came first? Mad Max or Road Warrior? Mad Max. Mad Max. Okay. I always liked Road Warrior better than Mad Max. I think that's another Clerks, Clerks 2 thing, because Mad Max is the first indie version, and Road Warrior was the Hollywoodized. Right, okay. You know, that's... Watching I, I Mad like Max. more of the post-apocalyptic, which you didn't see as much of in Mad Max. I think Mad Max was the... Just after the collapse, and everything was still kind of... Intact. Intact. The glue was still sticking. It was fraying, but it was there. Yeah. And then as Road Warrior came along, he was like, yeah, fuck it. We're yeah. <laughs> Give me your gas. Yeah. Then, of course, well, it's not on here, but Thunderdome. <sighs> I, li- I like Thunderdome. On purpose? 
back in the day. Okay. I have not watched it for a while, but just thinking I, back on it, I can definitely see the negative uh, qualities. I don't think that's going to hold up. Uh, the only thing not. I liked about it was Thunderdome. But Master Blaster, uh, Master Blaster runs by the town. <laughs> mm, no, no, no. What's What was her name? Oh. Tina Turner? Yeah. Crap. Oh, Tina Turner. Yeah, Tina Turner. <laughs> Legs McGee. Crap on a stick. Uh, Nanny? No. I I don't know. Olive oil? What about Popeye? The Popeye, the Robin Williams Popeye movie. That's a good question. Yeah. Because uh, I'm doubting it's on there, but it's a great movie. That it's so much. Fun. I remember watching that as a kid. Anti entity. That's it. Oh, okay, yeah. I feel better now. Yeah, I Anti-entity? remember watching uh, yeah. Popeye in the theaters when it first came out, and it was uh, visually different. That's for sure. Like you, like it's it, not here. My wife. It isn't. No. My wife oh, really liked okay. Popeye so much so that it was the she actually skipped out of school because it was going to be on TV. So she skipped out of school what? and oh, snuck okay. home to watch it and got caught. See, <laughs> and to me, that's great casting there. Those two people, Popeye and Olive Oil, Robin Williams and uh, Shelley, Shelley Duvall. Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Yep. They look like the kids. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to see you got the tumors removed from his arms. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> Those things were pumped right up. Simple. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Lots of risk girls. Here's another one on here. Point Break. Yeah. Oh, Johnny, Johnny Utah. Surfing FBI, dude. <laughs> hey, that's two uh, Patrick Swayze references and two Keanu Reeves at this yep. point. Okay, now we're going to keep track of Busey as well now. Oh, oh. Busey's in there. Yeah. Second. Okay, I doubt it's on that list, but... Um, there was, and it, I'm pretty sure it was a straight-to-video action flick with Busey called Bulletproof. Is that a recent one? No, no, I'm talking 80s. Oh, okay. It's he was the here. star. It was one of the first movies where he was the star that I can remember. Oh. I know he had the hype with the Buddy Holly story, but this was after that. This was in, like, I think late 80s. Yeah, it's not on here. Now, no. there, there is another Christian Slater movie, yeah. Legend of Billie Jean. Nope. No. no, I remember the title. Helen Slater is in it? it. I can't recall. Um, it's got a Pat Benatar song as the theme song. Not Billy Jean. <laughs> like, what? They probably no. can get the rights. Is that no. it? Something happens to her stepdad or something like that. Gets killed or beat up, and now they're on the run, and the the media is following them and turning her into a hero. And ah, crap. Oh, well, you know what that is? That's uh, Natural Born Killers. Yeah. Oh. Which is not on here. That's what? No, that near, is bullshit. Near Dark is on here. Well, okay, is, we're not. We're are not there any Oliver, about Near Dark yet? We're are any Oliver Stone flicks considered cult classic though? Because that, uh, to me, Oliver Stone is mainstream. Like you don't get. Natural He's high profile Natural and controversial. Was not a mainstream movie by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, it stands alone, absolutely. So but I, for that to not be on that list is uh, one outrageous and two ridiculous because we're arguing about. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. is, but yeah, Natural Born Killers, great flick. It ha- like, I, it, and you got to see the director's cut version with the oh, yeah. stuff they took out. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. the courtroom oh, yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah, the Barbarian Brothers. The Barbarian Brothers. <laughs> Cut off your legs. We're your fans. DC Cab. <laughs> DC Cab. <laughs> now, there's a cult good classic pull. Good pull. <laughs> on here, but the remake, the American remake, is not on here. Let the right one in. 
That doesn't surprise me. Oh, yeah. Every time I mention the American version, everybody says the original is better. Well, that's true. Yeah. I've never saw either one, so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let the right one in, but not let me in. Why they changed the name, I don't know. Licensing, probably. Probably. It didn't translate well. No. <laughs> no. Let's see. What up? Mars Attacks. Oh, yes. Classic. Yes. That was Burton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it actually lives on. It lives on. Is a sequel? No. But if anybody's a fan of Jeff Dunham and they like Ahmed, the dead uh, yes. those eyes are the eyes from, from the Martians. The I always suspected that. Yep. Or at he, least he designed it loosely on them or whatever. That doesn't surprise me. Oh, no, me. no. He was talking to a buddy of his who was doing special effects and said, I have to make a new new puppet. I don't know what to do. And he gave him two of the eyes from Mars Attacks. Wow. Oh, nice. That's cool. And then he built Ahmed. <laughs> nice little Jeff Dunham trivia there. That's awesome. Yep. And another last one for me here. It's really good. Mr. Brooks. Tell me Mr. about it. Brooks. Kevin Costner and Demi Moore. Is that Kevin, did that also have Dean Cook in it? Yes, it did. Okay, I did see that one, and that was a pretty cool movie. Kevin Costner is basically a serial killer. Oh, all right. Okay. But he's trying to maintain a normal life. Dane Cook catches him and says, "Teach me, and I won't turn you in." <laughs> and Demi is the cop trying to track him down. Oh, all right. A very different role for Costner at that point, and uh, I Dane really Cook. liked it. Yeah. Huh, yeah, I think that was my first taste of Dean Cook too. Like. I'd never seen him in anything before that. That's uh, definitely a rare uh, straight role for yeah. him, like serious. Well, even up to that point, I'd never seen Waiting, right? Was he, yeah, he was in Waiting. Um, he he also was, had a starring one in Employee of the Month. Oh, about yeah. a group of oh. people working in a Costco-type store. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah. one. Yeah. Him and Dax Shepard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe that's the one I was thinking of. Or he works at a waiting, Costco. Big, waiting big was uh, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah, 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 buddy. But Dane Cook was Shout in it. He was, he's, in the, he's one of the cooks. <laughs> That's right. He's in the kitchen. That's yeah. right, yes. Because the first time you see him, he's like, welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. I remember now. Okay, I think we're at the one-hour marker, yep, aren't we? Yep, yeah, yep. so. What okay. the hell? That was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a button? Oh, yeah. Nope, no oh. button there. No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Working on my Star Wars porn. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dude, yeah. there's already a porn parody out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not half bad. <laughs> I do have, there's one more. Night of the Living Dead. Yes. You can't get away without talking about that one. When you talk cult classics, that one is like... The, the it's bomb. up there. It's definitely up there. Except yeah. the colorized version, as we said last time. <sighs> no green zombies. Yes. <laughs> uh, just to wrap it up, is there one that maybe have, did not get enough love or did not did not get mentioned that any of either of you would want to just throw out there as maybe one to watch? Oh, uh, true romance. True romance for me. Um, he took my movie. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Uh, <laughs> no, that one, that that to me, I can watch True Mance any day of the week, all day long if I had to. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go with Tremors. Really? Yes. Fred yeah. Ward and Kevin Bacon. Mm. Along and with Reba um, McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. Reba McIntyre and Michael Gross. Exactly. The dad yeah. from Family Ties. Yeah. That yeah, Reba, she Reba played a badass in that one. Yep. Yeah. 
What would you? Uh, the, 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 you're going to laugh at this one. Uh, this was on that list, and it came when I when I saw it on that list that I read. I I had to uh, yes, labyrinth. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. There's just something. I, something about it that I loved back then. I can rewatch it now and still love it. Muppets. It's the Muppets and it's Bowie. I'm thinking. I think it's the Bowie factors in there too because he's really great. The glass in it. ball. Yes. Yes. And Bowie junk hanging out. Uh, <laughs> tight ass pants. Yeah, Muppets. Fuzz ball. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I had a crush on Jennifer Conley when that movie came out. So did I. She was just wow, so pretty. sweet. <laughs> yes, I remember that movie. <laughs> what the? Oh, I thought that was from the end of Star Wars when he blew up the Death Star, but that's when he's going down to the trash compactor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So uh, to wrap it up, that's been the cult special. About this. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, now just to explain why we did a special just like this um we have scheduling conflict for this for this week's episode um with rob deciding to take a trip off to toronto toronto international film festival and then mike has to work catch me some stars so jealous (laughs) yes and mike uh mike's had got to work uh afternoon afternoon so it doesn't work out for us to get together so we're gonna we're putting this up there just so you have something to listen to. Yes. Because we know you can't go a week without hearing our lovely voices. All that. And every week, I figured if we gave them a week off, they would forget about us and never want to listen to us Exactly. Again, so. <laughs> no, I'm thinking there'd be riots if we don't put up a new episode. Oh. I no, no. That's what I like to think. Unfortunately, Mike's more the reality. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Yes. <laughs> We're covering the bases just in case. <laughs> but they, everybody should know. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, That's no. right. That's <laughs> right. We will be back with a normal episode. Don't worry. Eventually. Eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll still stick to schedule. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this was this was just a just a crazy thing that just happened it just rob wants to take a break and christina with a k wants to go see some movie stars in toronto yeah don't, don't blame either one of them I and like said the sound of that. yeah <laughs> god i love this soundboard <laughs> gee couldn't tell Chewie, get us out of here oh, yes. all right so we'll hit well let's uh, jump to warp speed oh <laughs> Whoa. Uh, uh, Whoa! I did that on purpose. <laughs> back, nope. Back the fuck nope. Up. <laughs> no, well, no. I, I'll release the tribbles. <laughs> Just stay back. <laughs> we are going to have to have a Star Wars special just to my, show this guy what he's done. My, my four uh-huh. main tribbles beat your one Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you forgot about our planet full of Ewoks. Shit. <laughs> That's right. Oh, damn it. Where's Ewoks on here? <laughs> Ooh, hey, my, my puppy looks like an Ewok, oh, okay? <laughs> I, I'm on the Ewok bandwagon. Oh, I got yeah, a dog that looks like one. Uh, uh, yub nub. All right, all right. Let's end this nonsense. All right. For this, this special cult edition of the Movie Meadows, I'm Jason. Oh, you! Oh, you, just, sure. Because uh, we're going oh, clockwise wait, wait, this year. Wait, oh, send us feedback. You can reach us at the movie madhouse at gmail dot com. 
You can reach us on <laughs> iTunes as well. <laughs> Would you stop? <laughs> Would you stop Facebook. petting your Ewok? <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, the movie Madhouse. You can catch us there. You can find us on the Jason Mon Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we mention Stitcher yet? Nope. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can search for us on the uh, Stitcher smartphone app. Mm-hmm. And you can always find our full archive at themoviemadhouse.com. That's right. And on the Jazomod Podcast Network. That's right. They have the full backlist, too? Yep. Oh, yeah. I yep. wasn't aware. Yep. <laughs> Would you... <laughs> 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 for being attacked by Ewoks. I'll take the, go. Okay. I'll take the leash off. I will. I'm the one with the finger, finger on the trigger over here, pal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, again, uh, farewell. My, I'm Jason. I'm Rob. I'm Mike. <laughs> God. Stop. Run away. Run away. <laughs> well, All right. We'll see you he next week. It. See ya. Bye-bye. These guys are perhaps by far my favorite podcast to listen to. They crack me up, and I, I say this every single time I pull a movie Madhouse, but it's the truth. These guys are just, they're fabulous. They're just funny and witty and on the mark, and it's just enjoyable. And every episode that they get, and you know, at this point as we're, we're speaking, you know, they're getting ready to produce uh, episode 30. They just get better and better and better every single episode, and I I can't wait to to hear what comes out next, and I really can't wait for them, you know, from a year from now when everything is just really fine tuned because these guys are class acts, and that's pretty much it for this episode of Flashback Fridays. Uh, come back next week, and I'll pull out the Wayback Machine one more time. And we will go and we'll pull three more podcasts and we'll just dive back and reminisce about what was back then. All right, I am your host, David K. Montoya. So, until next week, have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>